podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Midweek Fix with me, Jamie Home. Tonight, we're going to kick off a series of my Liverpool live shows. You may have seen us do them before. The idea is where we will ask guests to tell us a little bit about how their love of Liverpool Football Club started and what their journey has been like as a fan ever since. So I'm delighted to say joining me tonight to do just that. We have Gav, Shawnee and Phil. Gents, how are we? We all keeping well? All good. All good. Great. Okay. Phil, you've got that mischievous look on your face already and a nice bit of product placement from Jim Plus Coffee there, mate. I like it. Just hopefully helping working our, our magic and uh, that the lads will uh, start sponsoring the pods or even showing us a bit of free gear. It'd be great. That'd be great if you're listening there. I'm, I'm fully, fully on board. Johnny, <laughs> Phil in Spain, looking tanned and healthy, mate. How are you getting on? don't know what's that talking about. Let that Kenny. Kenny. No, I'm let that Kenny this week. Let that Kenny this week. <laughs> You'll have the tax man out to me, Jamie. Sorry, lad. Didn't mean to hang you there. Gav, all good, mate? It's Curra Clow. All good. I'm not in Spain. I'm not That's in Spain. Not in Spain. He's in Curra Clow. He's on the deck down the river chapel. I'm going That's a green, that's a green screen behind me. Like Galbridge, I am. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm going to Monaghan tomorrow to play golf, um, just in case the tax man is asking. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, golf tomorrow in Monaghan. Thank God. You're a happy man now. The courses are back open. Oh, it's fucking amazing. Yeah, I'll be honest. I, uh, I've i got two footy matches this week and I'm like a kid at Christmas. We're finally able to play compa- uh, competitive games again. And Mr. Phil Casey left the football club WhatsApp group today. You'll be uh, shocked to know. It was emotional, I did. Phil. I did. I, uh, I, I, I called it a day for the fifth time. I've had more comebacks than Ric Flair at this stage. <laughs> I said right now, I can't. At this time, though, as the surgeon said to me last September, he says, yeah, come on, play a game if you want. But he said, you'll be back into me next year and you'll have to, uh, we'll have to cut your knee out and put a fake one in instead. So I said, right, I'll, I'll, this time I'll, I'll listen to his advice and, and stick to it and uh, hang up the boots fully this time. We got to play a couple of games together and the one personal highlight is when he rocks up to his first training session dressed in a full pink goalie kit. Only Phil Casey could rock up with a new group of lads in full salmon pink, would you say, Phil? Salmon pink. Salmon was much more salmon pink than the salmon pink that's in the Liverpool kit. Like, it's proper pink, so still have it. Big statement. It's it's going up on the wall. As soon as I have have my man cave, it's going up on the wall along with the other jerseys. Love it. Right, so lads, tonight... All, all the New Balance jerseys and that I really like, so... Hold that thought on the New Balance stuff because you may be able to bring that up as your uh, <laughs> glory years of a fan was probably linked to our New Balance kit. So the, the plan, as I said at the start of the show, we want to basically dive into your time as a fan. Um and, and the best place to start, I suppose, because there's probably a big Irish contingent in Liverpool. And me, as a as a Liverpoolian, it'd be good to to understand, I suppose, how you first became a Liverpool fan. Is this something that was kind of encouraged in school? Is it kind of brainwashed from parents? And Gav, I'll come to you first. Um, my father was a Man United fan. Um, my mother didn't give a shit, and. I think all my father's side are Man United fans and there was 12 of them or 13 of them and on my mother's side 
all the men, anyway, bar one of them, I think one's a Leeds fan, they were all Liverpool. And I spent an awful lot of time um, on me, with my mother's side of the family, so it was always going to be Liverpool, despite my dad's, you know, trying to buy me Man United jerseys with me communion money, um, mad stuff like that, bringing home Man United posters and they were put up on the wall and quickly taken down. And it was just, it, honestly, it was the influence of uncles because, you know, the youngest, my, my mother's youngest brother is only... F- four years older than me three years older than me and so I've a lot of I've I think I've three uncles within eight nine years of me so you know even as a four-year-old you you had they were all eight ten twelve they they play football with you and it was always going to be Liverpool always going to be Liverpool and, and that's that's how it started and that's how it is until the, till this day you know so um I'm glad um uh, my uncles have more influence than my father to be honest with you and um yeah so it was it was always going to be Liverpool for me. I, I, I listen to stories like that. There's a guy that, that I coach with and he's, he's a Man United fan and one of his sons is a Liverpool fan. Does it make me less of a parent that if my kid actually rocked up and said, look, Dad, I want to be a Man United fan, I'd have a genuine problem with it. Like, I, I wouldn't be, you know what I mean? How can we sit down and, like, have conversations and, and he's there putting up pictures of Marcus Rashford and Harry Maguire on the wall? I just, I don't know, Phil, you're, you're a parent. How would you take to that? I can explain. Right, so my son, um, so my two daughters love football and love sports and it's grand, but my son is pretends to like football, right? He's not, he's he's big into the scouts and he just hates sport, right? I don't know where he gets that from, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> All the scouts here must be new balance, is it? <laughs> it is, yeah. <laughs> you, you read what you sell. He has a lovely neck, actually. Uh, but he pretends to lo- love football and pretends to, but he's, um, is, like, the, I won't go too deep into my own personal life, but anyway, so his his mother's side of the whole um, thing are all City fans, and obviously I'm a big Liverpool fan. Now that wouldn't have really mattered about ten years ago, but it matters now. You know that way. So like in terms of like City were nothing um, uh, when he was born. Uh, well, sort of, it sort of had a bit of investment at that stage, and then Liverpool came along. So yeah, he's he's appeared to me when I've been picking him up, Jamie, and he's been wearing Manchester City jerseys. So I've told him um, to take it off. And made him sit in the cart with no top on. So you just you just say it's not acceptable. They're like it's just if you're not going to like football, you're not going to play football, you're not going to sit there just wind me up wearing a Manchester City jersey. Now it's great. He only buys Liverpool jerseys and he hides the Manchester City ones away from you, so and pretends that he supports Liverpool. So it works. Works. It's just uh, brainwashed children. <laughs> so, That's so what you're yeah, there to do. You have your I don't know how old your kid is, but you basically haven't deceiving you from a very young age. Yeah, it's it's the yeah. best life lesson because that's what they're going to do for most of their most of their okay, life so until they move out. Start the deception ahead. early, like yeah, yeah. So the chance, the chance. So the, sorry, the chances are then right. So he could just start smoking, right, and you wouldn't notice. But if you had a city jersey on, you'd run amok. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Rules are rules. Like when I was younger, and you'd have Bravo on in the round five away on the out NTL, badly done, badly done pawn or something behind you. Hear your man coming up the stairs, and you'd knock her off ground as she was coming in. Phil's jumpless sitting in the bed with the city jersey stuffed <laughs> under a pillow before Phil comes in. Shorty, <laughs> what about you, mate? Because obviously you're, you've got a you've got a load of brothers. Was it a was, was it a brotherly thing that was was kind of passed on, and, and that was the rules of the household? Yeah, Liverpool is is big in my family. Like um, cousins and me, ma'am, they lived in Liverpool. Cousins used to come over from Liverpool. All my brothers, Liverpool fans. My uncles, Liverpool fans. My dad, funny enough, is a sports fan, but he never forced it on us. Um, but I I hadn't a choice, even if I wanted one. 
I'm I was like failed son to me brothers. You know what I mean? I, like, the funny thing is, like one of my first, and I had and literally, oh yeah, yeah, a hundred percent, James. I know the one. Uh, we like one of my first memories as a, I hate saying this, but it's the truth. One of my first memories of a football fan was the '98 Champions League final. Uh, Solskjaer winning it late 99 oh, sorry 99 that was one of, and that, like that was one of, like that's one thing I can remember what he was doing and where I was when that happened but now Liverpool all my but like get Phil now as a coach like he's now Paddy does be on the show yeah mm-hmm. the others watch it like me cousin Albert does be watching it on the show he's massive Liverpool his dad my uncle Joe massive Liverpool it, it's just been something that's always been in the family and like it's not like my my family is football mad. My brother Garrett was football mad. Keith football mad. Alan football mad. Paddy. So I kind of I inherited it from them. Really, I had no choice. You know what I mean? I had no choice. But I wouldn't have it any other way. And that'll be the same going forward. If I have any kids, if I have any anything spawns from me, it'll be brainwashed from the minute it's able to understand. Just get Phil around. Just get Phil to stand for them. Yeah, 100%, yeah. <laughs> but. I, I, Jamie, like I'm, I'm the oldest here by a long shot, right? And um, so, on my earliest memory of Liverpool is back at the early eighties. Is it a long right? shot? How old are you now? I'm forty four now because I got my vaccine yesterday. So yeah, the, the forty four. So my earliest memory of Liverpool is playing a European Cup match in nineteen eighty one. Right, that's how that's how far back we're going, um, and that's what got me. Um, Addicted to Liverpool because they were all red, right? And I remember, I remember uh, Forest were playing in the European Cup around that time as well. And when Forest were playing as a kid, like you, uh, what Gab says, uh, four and five, you just see red jerseys, and that's the, that's the team you support, right? That's and so if another team is wearing all red jerseys, um, you thought they were Liverpool. I remember Forest were playing Liverpool in either a cup match or a league match or something like that. Liverpool were wearing all yellow, and I was cheering for the team that was in all red because they were Liverpool. And my dad was there going, "No, no, we're in yellow today," and I was like, "No, Dad, we wear red." Very red, and that's that's one of the earliest memories I have from supporting Liverpool. And the only reason I support them is because they were winning all the stuff. And ninety five percent of kids are attracted to people lifting trophies and lifting cups. And we okay, so you still have the father passing it on to the son, right? But it starts to lose it from that point on because kids get attracted to being part of the team that's winning. Look at all those weird Blackburn Rovers fans that wander around Dublin at the moment, right? You see them. <laughs> they're all about they're all about thirty six, right? But that's they're because all Chelsea they, fans now. They're all Chelsea fans, yeah, right. But again, I actually, at, I actually know a Blackburn fan from '95 who's now a City fan. Well, Stop. Genuinely, how did he? How did he bridge that topic with you? Like, what did he say know. to you? No, no, I, I don't, I don't, I, I knew him when I was younger. I don't really know him now, but I know he, he I, I've, I've seen him as a Man City fan. I'm going, what the fuck's going on there? You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? You were. Like Stuart Ripley was your hero, man. What's going on? He's not one. He's not one of these fellas who he wears the city jersey that's twenty years old. Like, oh, you love this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The one no, with no, brother proper... on it, Arroydos. Like, they, they wear. <laughs> they have the brand new spick and span jersey yeah. from twenty yeah. years ago. Cause his dog kickbacks. I know. I know the yeah. one you're fan of. Yeah, who's your favorite player? Oh, Sean Gow. I mean, I loved him as a kid. As Uve yeah, Rosler. Yeah, sure. yeah, 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 brand new twenty-year-old jersey. I'm, I'm sure he uh, hanging around a long time. Yeah, King Clancy on the back. Uh, <laughs> see, the thing that interests me, right? And Phil touched on it a little bit there about the shiny new things, right? Is it a case, and and was it the case for you guys in school? I mean, who was the most supported team at the time? 
Liverpool. Was it the team that was ultimately dominating trophies, which, uh, uh, you yeah. know, given the time well, was, in, was Liverpool? Interestingly enough, Jamie, at my age, it was still Liverpool and United. There's this huge thing in Ireland of Liverpool and United. Like, you'll have strange people who support Arsenal and Spurs and, and thing, but it was always you were almost brainwashed into you're meant to be a Liverpool and Celtic fan or a United and Celtic fan. Everyone was, everyone's second team was basically Celtic. Now, mine isn't, but then again, I'm a weirdo, so that's all right. But like the, the, that's what it was when I was growing up. And United weren't winning trophies, but they were always, say, second or third to Liverpool, if you know what I mean. So if your dad was a United fan, because he would have been a United fan from the 60s, the likelihood was you were then born into being a United fan. But the kids who won't, don't have that strong influence of their father or, or uncles, like in Shawnee's case, and brothers in terms of what's there, they will drift towards the team that's winning the trophy. So you picked up all these Liverpool fans through the 70s and 80s and the late 60s that because they were the team that was winning the trophies in England all the time. And that's what that's what people were seeing in the papers back home in Ireland. It was Liverpool and Celtic, and that was it. And that, even to this day, you have all these fathers now who are passing that on to kids. So even when we were shite during the late 90s, noughties, and we weren't winning leagues, you still had this continuation of the Liverpool fans coming through. And now again, we're picking up the slackies because we've got all the, um, all, we're winning trophies. And again, they're, it's attractive to the kids whose fathers are not necessarily big football fans. One way or the other. It's funny because ever since I, and I'll hold my hands up, I fully brainwashed my son. There's not something in this house that he doesn't own. If you ever look at my Instagram, he only wears Liverpool stuff. My missus goes absolutely mad. He, I fully brainwashed him. But ever since he got to an age where he cared, Liverpool literally won everything. So he's never, this is the first season now where he's like seeing a bit of adversity and he's like, hold on, this is, this is not what it's cracked up to be. I'm not, I'm not in for this. I and didn't one, sign up for this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and the one thing I like, I'm, I'm really excited to be able to do is, is take him to his first game. And I want to come around the room and, and get a, a sense of that first experience for all of you, because I know the one thing that I remember is, just, you know, the walking up the steps and the moment you see the green for the first time and you're just like, wow, this, it doesn't feel real. Shawnee, can you remember your first game well? Yeah. Um, 08, 09, freezing cold, shite game, Liverpool, Chelsea, and Tarde scores twice with literally in the 89th and then an injury time. And that was my first time ever in Anfield. And like you said, I remember walking up the steps, seeing the grass, looking at the fans around, you're like going, holy Jesus. And at the time, like trips to Anfield wasn't the most pleasant, like the around the ground and all. It's not as you'd imagine, you know, as a kid, it, it wasn't the prettiest place to go, but as soon as you went inside I was like going, holy Jesus. And that was it then. Like that would have been at a stage where I, I was playing like in a solar cup in Liverpool with my football team at the time. That was the only reason why I was over there. Like I wouldn't have been able to go to Liverpool on my own device then. Do you know what I mean? I couldn't not like I, I was a kid. I couldn't just turn around my man and say, I'm going on the boat and going out for the match. It's not like going over to Richmond Park to watch Pats. Mm. So it was a big thing. And it, ever since then, the bug it's just a bug and it never goes away no matter how bad like because like Phil was on there like through the people follow winners when I was in school it was hell for me because it was United fans all around me and they were winning everything everything every year and you'd have to listen to them and it would be like oh, it was at the time you just haven't won it in 20 years and 
I'm going around, what the fuck? Like, this is unbelievable. I pull up with a chummy whole teenage years. And then I see, like, Paddy's little fella was born. Ever since he's born, my winning lady's like, you little bastard. Like, <laughs> yeah, you don't, don't know how go- bad we are. <laughs> yeah, don't you go through the hardships I had to go through. You know what I mean? Like, the stuff that... But, yeah, uh, it, the journey is always better than the destination. That's what they say. And I wouldn't change anything for a- any of it for anything because it, it made the way all that sweeter. Everything when we got there just made it that bit more sweeter. And now I was just getting used to us starting to win again this year and this season went a bit mad again. So Liverpool, even I'm coming off the my 30s now, uh, have me emotional wreck. I, I, I'm I'm no more emotionally intelligent, intelligent now than I was when I was 14, 15 watching Liverpool. So that just says a lot about what it's like to follow Liverpool. Absolutely. Gav, can you remember your first game? I can't. But the first game I can remember is the 86 Cup final. Um, and people always say to you, I was just gone four years of age, a little over four years of age. People are asking what age I am, 39. Someone said 34 earlier. I was fucking delighted. Um, <laughs> but the first game I can remember, and people say, how the fuck do you remember that? The FA Cup back then was a huge thing on a Saturday of the cup final day. It started at nine o'clock on Grandstand or whatever the fuck they called it and it just went on and on and on. There was, on there was six hours of coverage. There was six hours of coverage before the game kicked off. So you're, you're probably looking nearly nine hours of coverage all in and that's how I remember it and I remember being with, with them said uncles again and you know and the green was stood out so much on the Wembley pitch, didn't it? And, and the red and blue and, and you know that's the first game I can remember. I think I'm nearly... 15 before I get to Anfield. Yeah, I am. I'm 15 or 16, maybe. 97, 98. It's April 98. And it's a 2-0 win at home to Crystal Palace. Ivan Leon Erdson and I think David Thompson scores that day. Um, and it's around the time of Hillsborough because I remember the Palace fans being amazing around that. And like I said, I was in the Upper Centenary that day. Um, myself, my dad actually brought me as a United fan, he brought me. And he was in the lower centenary, I was in the upper centenary. And you went up near the Anfield Road end. And like you all said, I went, to, you, at the time you went in the centenary stand and you had the, the big glass door. I remember the big glass doors and the Bob Paisley, Bill Shankly, um, suites and stuff like that. Up you get your free program and all that. And like you say, you come up the step, you walk out and you look and you go, fucking hell, you know. And the one thing I would say is, it, it's not, it doesn't, when you get in, for anyone that hasn't been in Anfield or anyone that hasn't, I don't know if you feel the same. When you walk in, it is amazing, but you, it doesn't look as big as you thought it was going to be. So when I walked into Anfield, I went, amazing, but that's just a normal pitch. Like, why isn't it like way bigger looking like when you see it on the telly? Because It is a tight pitch though, compared yeah, but to, you know, if you look like the likes of Old Trafford or whatever, where I always think is, is massive, Anfield is yeah. quite tight. Yeah, it is quite tight and... Um, yeah, and, and like Sean, you said, I remember being there in 98 and, you know, Liverpool was in an awful state. You know, like if you go down where Albert Dock is now and along the strand there and you, oh, you see the way it's all laid out and it's beautiful. And you, yeah, and you've, you turn up the hill and you can head to Liverpool 1. I remember going by there because you'd, you'd come by there on the way to your hotel or whatever. And, 
you know, the, the sides of the road kind of had these embankments, kind of concrete embankments going up each side, and the, the the concrete was falling away, and there was weeds growing. It was it was not a nice place, and to see the transformation over the years is, is unbelievable. So yeah, eighty six cup final, my first one I can remember. First one I was at was ninety eight, April ninety eight, I think it was. Someone might double check that, but it's definitely Palace. It's definitely um, Ivan Leonardson scoring, and I'm nearly sure David Thompson at the cop end. It's funny you say about the dock road because whenever I haven't been able to go home for a while for obvious reasons, but whenever I go home, I have to drive through the through the dock road, and that's that one moment where I kind of look around and I'm like, ah, I'm back home, and it never never leaves me uh, to to this day. Phil, because, uh, what's your first game before I go around the room and get an idea of which players' posters you had on your wall? So mine's a bit. So the first time I was in Anfield wasn't for a match, right? I just buzzed over to Liverpool for a weekend away with my mate, and we stayed in the Formula One motel oh, yeah. down at down at almost facing the Royal Liver Buildings, right? And it was must have been about like fifty pence for a night in the room. It was like this, the room was made like the inside. The of ibis ship. was beside it, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like if you couldn't afford the ibis, you stayed in the Formula One. So that tells yeah. you how classy it yeah. is, right? It's basically, <laughs> it, 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 there was no seats, there was no tables, there was basically ledges like the inside of an airplane in the room where you put things on. There was no seats. It was a bed, and and when I, well, uh, was a bed. But listen, it worked. It was as I said, fifty pence for me. I remember going into BHS and uh, being able to get a breakfast for about twelve pence as well. So that was great. Um, and this was in modern money times. This isn't like the seventies or anything like that. <laughs> so it was just door cheap. Um, so we, yeah, and it was it was it was it must have been the end of June. So it was proper like out of season. So we just buzzed up to the um, the, the 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 Anfield just to do a club tour. I just wanted to go up and see it with no fans and just to take it in because you could do the the, the trophy room, you could do everything like that, right, in terms of what it was and get a feel for what the stadium looked like when there was nobody there and you don't have that emotion running around you, if you know, for a football match. It's just like to take in the, just to really soak up stadiums. I love visiting did they, stadiums. Did they still do the crowd noise then, Phil, at that point when you walked down the steps? Jamie, I, honest to God, now, it's probably longer. I was probably alive less amount of years than it is the amount of years since I was there when I did this. So it's, it's a bit hard. The Alzheimer's is kicking in here, right? So like, I can't remember exactly if the crowd noise. I think it might have been. But like, I just remember walking out onto the pitch. And the first thing that got to me was, how the fuck can they not take proper corners? That's the only thing that got to me. I've, I looked at it and I went, how have we spent 10 Some years? Some crack on a weekend, I'd say you are. <laughs> How have I spent 10 years looking at fellas not being able to take a decent corner in this pit, in this pitch? Look how close the corner, it's almost a penalty to take a corner into that. There's no way hitting the force man all the time. That's ridiculous. I was saying, look at this. This is ridiculous. I forget that. So that was the, the but I remember it's the green, it's that greenness of the pitch that really stands out to me. It's like, and, and again, it's that, that eye trick because it's a red, because all the seats in the stadium are red and the pitch is green. It's so vivid when you yeah. set the two against each other, that it really stands out. And I think that I think for an awful lot of visiting fans that come over to away games and stuff, that's part of, they don't even think about it, but that's part of the, oh, wow, look at this. It's a, it's a visual thing. Even if you go early, you see those red seats with this green pitch, and it's just so vivid to the eyes. Because when you go get your eyes tested, you always put the green and red things there. It's the two most standout colours that the eyes can recognise, and it really brings that sort of vibrancy towards it. First match then, um, Jesus. I was late going because, and I was late going to my first match mainly because I played so much football myself. I, I refused to go away at the weekends, and of course, when you're playing at the same time as the matches, you never get to go across. And I was a goalkeeper, so I was refused to get dropped. So um, I didn't want to give any excuse to, 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 to more than my own form to get myself dropped. So when I did go over, I think about the first game I probably saw was 
And I was fairly drunk. So this is the problem. You can ask Savo about this as well. We used to we used to organise buses over to the games and we'd start drinking at half six in the morning um on the bus and I've the game would be with them. Yeah, and the game would be kicking off at half three and uh before you even got on the bus, I've only got on the boat like you were locked. So by the time you got off the boat, you were bananas drunk, right? Um so the one that sticks out in my mind is we went to the Wigan match. I'll 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 i clean on this one, right? Because it's the one that really sticks out in my mind, right? So we went to the Wigan match, and we were in the cop, and I was in the second row of the cop, right? About it's that section of seats that's just to the right hand side of the goal, um, and we were playing Wigan, and Rafa was there at the time. Um, or was it Rafa? I can't remember. It was no. Maybe it wasn't. I can't remember. Anyway, say it was. Could have been Rogers. I don't know who it was. Somebody, somebody was managing us it at that stage. Kelt, was it? Is that how you play a game? Kelt scored. It could have been, right? I can't remember. It was we win 3-1 anyway, right? So but anyway, <laughs> um, but or three 0 or something happened. But anyway, the first half were so drunk, right? One of the lads had to carry me through the barriers, you know, <laughs> to get into the ground, right? <laughs> I couldn't stand. And we get into the we get into the uh, into the cup and um we're sitting there. And anyway, look, something happened in the game. I think Callum McMenamin broke his leg or something like that, right? And that was enough for me. That just basically set me off into a nice little slumber. So, and that was around about the 16th minute. So I managed to fall asleep in the front part of the oh, cup, wow. right? Um, and it was a time when the LFC TV website was taking pictures of the crowd as well, right? <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> I know where this is going. <laughs> So there's there's pictures. So you used to be able to go on to the picture and find out if you were in the ground, you could zoom into any part that you're sitting in and you could see where you're sitting, right? <laughs> but whenever they took the picture, it was as Daniel Agar was jumping to take a header at the back end and his leg had actually blocked me off being asleep in the crowd, right? So there was no photographic evidence. But there's another one where you can see me between his legs and I'm white as a ghost. And I'm telling you now, I'm as white as Sean's T-shirt. It must have in been about 47 minutes. Like literally sitting there like a corpse. Half time, pop back up. This is great, lads. What's going on? What scores it right? The, the the disgust. When I tell you the disgust of the lads and the cop at the fact that I was there, oh, it was brilliant. Then I went off and got a couple of cards back and came back. Great second half. We won. We scored three goals. I, I, I didn't miss anything in the first half. I got everything in the second half. So that was that, that, that was must, that must be a trippers thing because uh, oh. <laughs> the, the, the last the last time we the last time we were over there, we went on a Friday. I don't know. I don't know. It was idea. It was. It was the no, first we game didn't. The, we went on a first sa- game. We, first game of the season, Monday. <coughs> we went. Yeah, it was first game of eighteen, nineteen at home to West Ham, and we went on the and Saturday morning. It was. And we were coming back on the off. Sunday. We were coming back on the Sunday night, and we were playing West Ham a half one on the Sunday, and we went mental on the Saturday. Like uh, it was a the earliest, hours. Yeah, it was a fourteen yeah. hour shift before kick off. Right. The, the earliest fella getting in that night was five in the morning. I think. And we had to be out of room yeah. at 10. The worst part was, whatever way it was, me and Paddy were sitting together in the lower Kenny, lower yeah. Kenny, and Steve-O and Neilo were together in, in the, Anfield the road up, upper Anfield Road end. But <laughs> I, I sat in the seats that they were in before because the tickets belonged to a mate of mine, so I knew exactly where the seats were. And about 20 minutes into the game, <laughs> I looked up into the corner and Steele was pinned against the ball. And he's like that. <gasps> <gasps> and he beside him. And it, the only way I can describe it was, do you remember in Paris 2005, the crowd, by the way, the, the crowd, yeah, they don't, out. The, the, they're cutouts, but they, they just shift like that. They're not actually moving. Yeah. They're, just, they're just programmed to look like they were moving. 
Yeah. The boys look like two cardboard cut out of the stand, right? <laughs> <laughs> but the best part is what, like, we got one nil up. I think it's either man or Salah gets the goal, right? And everyone's celebrating. And everyone's Salah. Salah. And I look up and Steve just goes, about <laughs> <laughs> 20 seconds after everyone else I swear the ground was absolutely boiling, swel- boiling. It's, the, it's the hottest I've ever been in a game because we did we left we left on we left on the Saturday morning on a seven o'clock flight. We went to Liverpool. The first thing Steve wanted to do was have um what's that fancy fucking egg thing you saw eggs benedict. Eggs benedict. Um, right. Ridiculous. Um <laughs> So just to give you, sorry, Jamie, we're railroading this, but, but, um, so, so Steve wants to get that. So they all go off, right? And they're getting that. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Me and Nilo, um, walks down into the town. I was getting money. Neil was getting something else. And we went and done that. We came back. Nilo tried to offer, Nilo offered Johnny 20 quid and a pair of Astro runners if he'd go in my place and play against the Anfield Rap because he wanted to bring me. He wanted to bring me for to the ship and my, or for a pint of Guinness and a and a bacon sandwich for a fiver. Um, we had a few points after that. We went absolutely mental that night. Like it was madness. People were buying stuff in chippers. I'm not even remembering and claiming people were breaking into their rooms and leaving chippers in their room and all. But the next morning, I remember going. Up, Steve booked a haircut, but I remember the next morning going up to the. Um, he actually did, co- yeah. He did. He booked a haircut. Um, but I remember going up to the... This Gav, I'm just going to say something. I'm just going to cut you off here real quick. Gonna be very careful because there's a criminal stuff went on in that lading. <laughs> ah, no, this is grand. This is grand. <laughs> so we went to... We went to um, what's that hotel on the Anfield? Was it... Um, hotel T? Uh, we went there. It's called Taggies or something else now. Or is it, is it, I think. But Steve was that bad that he said to me, I'll go to the bar. I know it's my round. I'll go to the bar. But please don't make me buy you a drink. And I went, Steve, up there. He said, I'm getting a can of Coke. I said, well, I'll get me two bottles then. I'll drink your own. And Steve was in bits. But Nilo was sitting on a bench and it was this old couple. They're about 70. And it was a bench. But Nilo just went and sat in between the two of them. And these two couple, this couple are just looking at each other. And we're like, Nilo, yeah, all right. And he's like, yeah, grand. Gone. But me, Joe and Davo were in the cop. And um, it, was, it was the hottest I've ever been. Oh, it was like, so warm. It was so oh. fucking hot. And we were just, the, the sweat was pouring off us. And um, I was using Paddy Lawson's hoodie as a fucking towel. And um, but yeah, what a day, that! what a weekend that was. It was unbelievable. I know. Can you imagine when we actually get to, to go do it? Because I think I came, did I come over for one of them? And I joined Jamie, very, very you, late. You, and you, you, turned up in, you turned up in, um, you turned up in Batman forever. You turned up in Arm of the Cube at about two in the morning. We were all over face. Remember oh. the bit in Batman Forever where he comes through the ceiling? That's why you are like lay substitution. 114 <laughs> minutes. I turned around at half two in the morning and Jamie's fresh as a bleeding dice going around the place. <laughs> what is going on here? Yeah, you were all Jamie. in the heat, to be honest. I'll make sure I'm there earlier next time. <laughs> Jamie, you see that the board put up X in the city, right? I've I've a small story about that because this is this is <laughs> was that you to put that up there because I definitely is, clicked that didn't click that up I was like where's that no, that was from? me that was me <laughs> was that you got straight up right and I'm not lying about this um we were almost sponsored by Exodus City for a while right <laughs> we had we had a sponsorship deal on um honestly Nilo got in contact with them I'm not even lying about this oh right. <laughs> 
<laughs> agreed everything, right? I didn't know about this at the time because this is this is going way back. You know, we I've called the dance with the discount code trippers. Oh my god! And I was like, "What? What?" It's like he goes, "Have a sorted, Phil. Have a sorted." I got a big, big, big sponsorship deal. I was like, "What?" Was, yeah, big place in Liverpool. Great. We, when we get over there, we get discounts and everything. I was like, "Halo, what is this? Sounds great. What is it? X in the city." I was like. What? <laughs> you know the big strip club. We go in there and it'd be grand. It'd be great. We're all over there. It's grand. They're going to pay us loads of money. I was like, Nilo, a strip club sponsoring a podcast. I know it might sound like a great idea, but if we actually want to crack loads of markets, this may not be the right way to go about it. And he was he, for ages. He had the uh, he had the. I still have the contract and everything. had drawn up with him, Nilo. <laughs> so the best thing to to learn about there is never send Nilo out to try sell anything for you because God knows he was going to end up buying your product. Like it's just it's it's very dangerous. But yeah, that's how Exeter City came back to mind in terms of what was there. Wow, so I can tell a story. I could tell a story about that, but it, something we'd have to probably put behind the uh, paywall. The paywall, yeah, yeah. I, I'll <laughs> yeah. just say one thing. I seen a fella in a wheelchair getting carted out there by security because he said something to him because he said something to one of the dancers. <laughs> uh, right, get away from this quick. Yeah. I, what we said about posters. I got and I got thrown out because I was laughing at what he said. <laughs> you got chucked out as well for laughing. I got. I got thrown out because I was laughing at the word he said. <laughs> Jeez. I'll tell you what, lads, we went off on Liverpool, some tangent there. Hey, Liverpool is some city. This is all about Liverpool stories. What a city, by the way. I can't wait. I can't wait to go back. Oh, I'm dying for it. Absolutely dying for it. You can't, you can't go wrong. Like, And when you know people over there and you can just ring them and go we're on our way and they go yeah no problem the best man for it is John Gibbons off the Anfield rap literally just tell him what pub you're going to be in at any time and he's just there he just appears and he's like and it doesn't matter he could, he could be on his he could be on his lunch break right he could be this fella could be on his lunch break and you go I'll be on O'Neill's in a half an hour and he's there and you look five hours later and he's still fucking sitting with you he just, he's just, just like say, ah, yeah. I'm out for the night now which is that's it he's the, he's the best Mohammed Yogi's at the point in the comment there, and it is a long, it's a long them marks. It's a long that Right, line. right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so posters on walls, lads. <laughs> yeah. Right, I'll, I'll, I'll go with that then. So, obviously, <laughs> uh, you, like, you was a, you was a jammy bastards. Like, you was what I had. Barnes, Rush, like, you, you was followed Liverpool when, it was front-to-back world-class players, but the one who really drew me in as a kid to spawn, and I hate saying it because he turned out to be a little Judas fucker, was uh, Michael Owen. Michael Owen was my idol. He's the fella who had bleeding. He had N64, Nintendo 64 games and all, World Star Soccer. Michael Owen had his own game. He was winning Ballon d'Ors. He was think he was twenty one. He was ripping her up in the Premier League, ripping her up at World Cups, and everyone wanted to be Michael Owen. Now I was a lanky umfle, so I was never a Michael Owen. You know, I wasn't a, a, a little small fella with pates, but I still always wanted the umbro boots because never used to wear umbro. Yeah, and the all one, oh zero zero all one season. Jesus, he the Arsenal, the, the cup final against Arsenal, just unbelievable stuff. Like he was so good, Michael Owen, and. He blew up at Leeds and it was never the same since after that. But I remember having the white Reebok jersey with number 10 and all on the back where he was the first sort of idol I had in football. Obviously, there was Ronaldo, but 
Michael Allen watching him growing up. Jesus Christ, he was unbelievable. And he was a he was a local lad as well, which I always find you always favour the lads who you feel it means more to like you look at Trent now, the local lads, you always feel like it means more to them. And for a local lad to be winning the most prestigious awards individual world football when Michael Allen was just electric and like like a Bappe captivates the kids now. He was the one where I thought, Jesus Christ, I'd love to be like Michael Allen. Yeah, you couldn't. It, it was the definition of breaking on the scene with him. Mm. He was just fearless, wasn't he? You know, big goals, big moments. You think of the Argentina goal for, for England, you know, in the biggest stage. And it's mad in a way because, like you say, he wins the Ballon d'Or, yet isn't really, for whatever reason, you know, uh, isn't, isn't spoken about too too fondly and kind of held in, in the higher esteem that his ability probably should have had him. Phil, who was uh, who was the players that, that kind of stood out for you and kind of captured your imagination when you were a kid? See, posters were huge back in my day because I was a shoot reader. Shoot yeah, match. Say match. Shoot and match. Yeah. Shoot and match. Yeah. They were the two of them. So shoot was huge. And I actually had the edition of shoot that came out for April Fool's Day that had Ian Rush in, in Rush. the Everton gear on. But <laughs> what people forget about that, if you flipped it over the other side, I can't remember. It, was an, it might have been Graham Sharp in the Liverpool kit, but there was, there was a, it was a double-sided. So you could, depending on which way it was in the news agent, it was either somebody from a different team and then everyone knows it as, as Ian Rush in the, in the Everton kit. Um <clears throat> Probably from like team like like it was many team posters, loads of team posters up the wall and, and the crown paints and candy kits, right? That, that sticks in my mind. Would have had a lot. Of, Ian Rush was on nearly all the posters because he was scoring all the goals. And then when he went buggered off to Juventus, John Aldridge came up. But like Jan Mulby was probably my favourite player growing up. Just not necessarily the best player, but just whenever he used to watch him, he used to just dazzle you. He used to stand there, not move around the pitch, but just ping balls left, right and centre. It's very, very strange to see a player like that at the time because we, I, I would have remembered, just re- sort of remembered soon as before he left. But up, uh, after that was Steve McMahon, like doing all the stuff that the that, that we look at players now and, and, and praise them for, like doing what Henderson does in terms of that up and down the pitch, non-stop donkeys and making it all work for everyone else around him. You had Spackman, he was brilliant in, in centre midfield for as well. But we had Ronnie Whelan. People forget <coughs> about how good Ronnie Whelan was as a centre Great midfielder. <clears throat> But Jan Mulby was always, I just adored Jan Mulby. I just loved the way he played in the centre of the park. And he was just that, he was, he was bigger than the rest of the players around him. And, and in every way, his gear, everything was just bigger about him. He just looked different to the players that are on the pitch. And when Gav was talking about the 86 FA Cup final, the thing that everyone always remembers Rush's headers, but it was Jan Mulby's passing and his ability oh. to pick out a pass that made and the whole know, final. And do you know what it is? And I'm sorry to cut across you, but. Yam, Yam Moby is one of my favourites as well from that area. But if you go back and watch the 86 Cup final and the tour goal, Yam Moby nicks it through someone's legs and you hear yeah. Motson say, oh, I say. And he continues on the sentence, oh, I say. And he, he continues on the And be, I'm showing me age now because I actually forget the rest of the sentence. Right. And every couple of years, I genuinely go and find the actual yeah, commentary because it used to be on um, the history of Liverpool used to have on VHS. Right, it was the best VHS ever fucking made. Like I'm talking, it was so fucking good. I knew every single word of it, but that little bit where it drops in midfield and Moby just takes a touch and nicks it through a fella's legs, and um, I think it's, I think it might be Whelan runs onto it, um, 
it is Will that runs onto it. Daglish makes his decoy run and he gives it the rush. But that little bit of commentary, oh, I say, and he, f- he says something else after. And I always forget it every couple of years and go back. And I'm going to do it tonight now. I'm going to go back and find that little bit of commentary. Yeah, Jan was uh, immense. But like uh, the, the, play, the posters I would have had would have been the, the, the obvious ones. You would have had Aldridge, you had Bearsley, you had loads of Johnny Barnes posters. Loved Barnes. Like Barnes is just, if, what people don't understand was the back then, and it, we've talked about this in the pub before, football was local. Right, so every league in the world was primarily a local league. That's why the FA Cup mattered back then. That's why the World Cups mattered back then. That's why European Championships mattered back then. And that's why they don't matter now because football is global at this stage, right? So yeah. uh, the best competition is the Champions League because that's where teams assemble the best players on the planet to combat against each other. Back then, leagues were leagues. So when Liverpool went off to play in the European Cup, they were primarily English or British-based players, and I'll even include the Irish in this, that, that went off to represent that league in Europe, right? The Italians were primarily Italian teams that went and represented Italy in the thing, famed the French and the Spanish teams and all that type of stuff. But that changes in the 90s and just changes the way football. I know you've got questions about this later on, but like at that stage, that's what you were looking at. As a young Irish player, as a young Irish footballer, you could dream about playing for Liverpool. You had Ronnie Whelan, you had Jim Beglin, you had Steve Staunton when he came through. You had, um, you looked up to Mark Lawrence. You know, we we had Ray Houghton. We yeah. had these players that were in the best team in Europe. Don't mind, it, 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 like possibly the best team in the world, even though what happened after Heysel prevented us from playing in Europe. But we had this team that we had idols that we could look up to. It's so few and far between because we are this multicultural team and this global team that now exists and that's the way football has gone. But that's why when I talk about the FA Cup and I think back then, it means something. It means nothing to me now, but well, it means then, something then. Look at, look at our, like our 0001. Like the UEFA Cup, that was that was huge then. Mm-hmm. The UEFA Cup was huge. Like that was a big thing then. And FA, like Gav was saying, like even up until the Gerrard final, the FA Cup was it was a like a whole day thing started at 12 and it went on but and there wouldn't have been another game on that day like it's not like now it's not like the FA Cup was thrown in between two Premier League games now that would have been the only game on that Saturday the FA Cup was on 3 o'clock at Saturday and I swear to God BBC started at 9 in the morning I don't yeah, care anyone says. It, it ITV on. did as well St. and Greaves used to be on and they'd start the coverage rival coverage going on non-stop you would have had um, BBC Sport what was he used to Grandstand, Grandstand. used to start early. Grandstand. He used to start early. They stopped they stopped the kids' programs like um, Live and Kicking to play to start Grandstand early on FA Cup Day and the same on ITV. Number seventy three so, used to be axed and they stick on Saint and Greasy from early doors at half nine in the morning and away you go. You would have been you are obviously all out of me. Like I remember how I used to have to wait to see the goals. Like or the, one of my earliest memories was Reese's free kick against United. Uh, that uh, that was zero one. That was the oh, 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 one season. That oh, one rocket of a free kick, and you used to sit there on. I think it was Telly te- uh, C Fax three one eight, and it used to have all the fixtures up on the screen, and there was the screen would literally refresh every five minutes, yeah. and you'd have to see if the score changed, and then you'd have to wait until the six o'clock news then to see the goals, right? Well, so uh, we'll and also- you wouldn't have. You wouldn't have WhatsApp. You wouldn't have. No. Like, you couldn't. You wouldn't text you. You'd have to literally wait and see. You'd listen to it on the radio, and then you'd hear, or and then you'd wait until the six o'clock news to see the goals. And that was what it was like. You used to literally sit there with words on a screen, because in my gaff we didn't have Prem Plus, because Prem Plus was a thing then. Remember, you used to have to pay for the big game on the weekend. It was a pay per view. Sky used to have the big Premier League game on the weekend as a pay per view. And you'd be sitting there waiting for the screen to refresh. And then the only way you got to see 
the bleeding was the highlights was then at six o'clock, and then you get four of highlights then at match of the day, and that was four. We only have match of the day. We only have match of the day. That's why. That's why we didn't. You're wrong. We had RT two football coverage on a Saturday. You couldn't get that in England. They used to have delayed coverage. Oh yeah, hour, but right? but go, yeah, but they used to show RT used to show the Saturday games at half three. Do you remember? The yeah, three yeah. o'clock kickoff would would go live at half three. So Liverpool could be playing. I remember. Liverpool beating Leeds 5-4 at Elland Road and the fucking thing I'm on a half three tipped off a half three it was half an hour old Liverpool were about 4-0 up in real time yeah. and yeah. Um, John Barnes absolutely annihilated Leeds and but stuff like that but we don't from sure, what like, I always remember it was it was the game was on like you, you used to go up and get um, the paper the late edition of the Herald and it used to be in pink with all the football results on the back of it and then you yeah. get match of the day that night and I think the pink is a thing that goes around I think Liverpool had the same thing the pink echo yeah yeah, yeah. The Pink Herald was the same on a Saturday evening at about half six, seven o'clock, and you, you like, get remember, it in all the all the details. Remember, in, in Italy is the same, and it still is now. Their their post football results on a Saturday is still pink as opposed yeah. to deadly. That's deadly. So, like some things should never die. I think like things like that should always exist. Like I remember on a Saturday getting up on a Saturday morning and there was a thing on the telly called Trans War Sport. Remember that? I used to yeah. show yeah. you highlights from it. And then after that, then was uh, on Channel Four. James Richardson, Serie A review. And yeah. you used to sit there, you know, watching like Inter Milan with Ronaldo, Rakova, all these players, and you'd be blown away. And you'd literally be only seeing three minutes of these games. It'd be just showing you goals. And you'd yeah, be showing Ronaldo. You won't, you'd be you won't completely remember. blown away. Like, you won't I remember. Um, that was, and yeah, look, Barry Devney sitting there, James Richardson, are we sitting out in the middle of Rome and Milan having a coffee, reading the big paper? Yeah, yeah, but, read, but Shani, read, do you know? Do you know? Right, Ireland was one of the first countries to get the Italian highlights earlier than anyone else because Italy's games predominantly were played on a Sunday, and on a Monday night on Network Two or RT Two as it's known now, they used to have the Italian football show, and they used to show all the highlights of Italian football at half nine on a Monday night on Network Two as it was known then. Well, and I, I we got it before anyone else. It was mental. Gav, yeah, I'm going to show me. I'm going to show me realize because Shani, I don't even know if you were born for this one, right? But we used to have, um, if you're, if you're, if you had a few quid in Dublin, you used to get a uh, cable link, right? So yeah. this is this is going even before Joe's internet and for NTL and UPC, right? This is the, the forerunner was cabling, so you got cable, a, a firm of of cabling television. But Supersport used to have Dutch football highlights yeah, on from so 87 to 89 season, right? And that was my introduction to Marco van Basten. I've been asked this many times. I've never seen a better centre forward than Marco van Basten in my life. And I think because that was at the time I saw the overhead goal he scores against, I think it's NEC Nimogen or Groningen. It's one of the, one of those two that he scores again. But but you used to get to watch this Dutch lad do the highlight. It was the best program. I used to sit up religiously and watch this program. And like this was my introduction because back then, it's not like now, people don't get it. Anyone that's been born in the 90s and has grew up with football in the Nazis, right? Don't understand that. Football wasn't 24-7. Television no. wasn't 24-7 in the 80s. You got the big match on ITV on a Sunday and you, and you got the FA Cup on But it the wasn't BBC. every Sunday. No, it used to be every no. second Sunday and there was, a, there was a fight over television rights that took football off television for the best part of seven months at one stage. There's the famous Jan Mulby goal against United that was lost. Lost for 15 years. People hadn't seen this goal when he ran through the whole United team. Yeah, it was in some it, right? Owen's attic. Yeah, they lost it. There was, no, there was, there was a video of it in some Owen's attic. <laughs> and the only reason it was... He taped over Coronation Street or something. <laughs> <laughs> 
club, <laughs> the club had their own cameras doing it, Sean. Like this is this the, 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 the second half. This the second half of the game is some youngless skill nativity play in Liverpool. Yeah, was on the second yeah. half of the game. We're talking to Mike Baldwin. Um, What's this? What's this? Look at your man running through the United team and scoring this absolute blinder from the yeah. 20. Honestly, Scott, the story is that that was actually a video that was found in an attic somewhere. That's yeah. the truth behind it. Sorry, Jamie, we've gone off on another tangent. No, no, it's good. And and you you naturally came to me next point, which was around, I suppose, the do you think the lack of lack of access to football back in the day helped build the excitement then? Because yeah. I suppose your relationship yeah. with football changes as you, as you're a fan and obviously as you as you grow up. Do you think, Shawnee, it's it kind of changed for, for you as a fan? The fact that, you know, we, we see football every day of the week now if we want to. If The fact that you had to sit there and watch teletext and wait till six o'clock or ten o'clock at night to watch goals, it helped build up that excitement and capture the imagination. Absolutely, because you never took it for granted. Well, we you never, ever took it for granted that if there was a FA Cup game on BBC, you'd watch it. Doesn't matter who was playing. Yeah. You were watching. You were watching live football, <laughs> so you'd watch it. So it could have been anybody. Like you know what I mean. It could have been Aston Villa and United. It could have been an absolutely anybody. You'd never turn down the chance to watch live football, and that's why the World Cup was so special because there was three games on every day, and it was a, like the war. Like the remember war, the wall charts you'd get from the newspaper and everything you're trying to work yeah. out it used to come around it used to come around it was a festival of football like I remember the 2002 World Cup and like you was at Jammy Bastards you was had Italian 90 on USA Italian 90 like, was the best thing ever like you no. had that I, but now listen you and USA 94 and I remember a nine year old I was summer 2002 everyone's putting flags up hanging buttons out and I'm going, what's going on here? And my ma's putting buttons up in the front garden and they were like, oh, and they're in the World Cup and you're waking up before you go to school and England are playing Brazil and Ronaldinho was loving Schmeichel. You're in, it, your mind was blown because football is on all day. You're watching the best players play all the time. You're, I mentioned Jamie. you literally I, like, I remember France 98. <laughs> Remember being heartbroken because Ronaldo lost in the final. Remember, like it, that's that was what football was all about. You were starved of it. You were starved of it. So when it came on, you were like, Gee, "I'm gonna engulf myself and all of this." Like 2002 World Cup, I think I watched every single game as a ten-year-old. And when I wasn't wasn't watching it, I was across the road kicking ball around playing World Cup. Bagsy and being Brazil, Bagsy and being Ronaldo. Like that's what football was all about to me. It's completely different. Like the Euros start on Friday, and kids will be on their Xboxes playing, playing Fortnite. If that was a ten-year-old Sean, you could, you honestly, you, you'd be filling out your wild chart, Jamie. Yeah. After every game, putting the results on. Well, the, the World Cup two thousand, the World Cup two thousand and two to go way off the point. My brother was doing the leave insert, and uh, I, I I can't remember what game we were playing, but um, I think it was middle of the day. It was day. Germany. It was Germany, guys. Yeah, and, was, and he actually he had was, two exams. Paddy was doing his leaving stage well. Yeah, and he, he was on exams. the way up the road to go to yeah. school. My brother, my brother, my brother. Robbie Keane's Robbie Keane's at the score, and Robbie Keane's at the score. <laughs> Everyone was out on the road running around. It was fucking my madness. Bro, my brother done an exam in the morning and just flew through it to get down the pub. I think he had five point bottles of Bulmers <laughs> and went back and done his English paper too then after the match. <laughs> um, but but like, you, like you're talking about excitement, Jamie, Like, and 
well, because of the access. I, I think that's a huge point because, you know, I'm I'm watching since '86, and you know, Hillsborough comes along, and and to watch that leash after Hillsborough, I think to me is still disturbing to me. But but John Barnes was it? John Barnes was. He's the best players ever played with Liverpool. I don't care what anyone says. But then when you watch Beardsley with him, Aldridge with him, the players he had around him. And then I McManaman was huge for me. Um he comes in in ninety, ninety one ish. Yeah. And and even then the same. You love Yeah, and even then the Cavalier, Patrick Berger, everyone was going on about Proborski in Euro ninety six and Berger rocks up, long hair, hairband, bashing goals in against Leicester on his debut and stuff. Um you were talking about posters on walls and I had so many of them. But I always remember it was getting the jerseys was the big thing, Jamie. Like now, you know, I could say now we're giving away a jersey. Someone will win it and I can order here now and get it and it's at the house tomorrow or the next day. But at the time, getting Liverpool jerseys was huge. You know, I remember the black 93, 94. I remember all the little liver boards on it and getting Fowler 23 on the back of it with the Adidas numbers. And, and that was a huge deal. I remember the green and white squared one in 95, 96. You couldn't get it in Dublin. You could not get it. My ma got the last one in, in Marathon Sports on Grafton Street. I'll never forget Marathon that. Sports. She got the last one. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that was the thing, Jamie, because you didn't have the access and there was no internet and checking up transfers. You, you had less, but it meant so much more, if you know what I mean. You didn't have all that access. You, you weren't, it, it wasn't 24-7 on you. And it meant more. Them little snippets you got meant a whole lot more because getting a jersey or getting a tracksuit or, or even someone, got, your uncle going to Anfield and bringing you home a programme, you know. Yeah. Um, it was huge. And, and you, you treasured those sort of things. I still have programmes upstairs in the attic. I still have jerseys. I've given loads of jerseys away to younger relations now because I feel that why should they be in the attic let, let them go and wear them. My daughter has the 87, 88 home red that she will not give away to nobody. She, she says, that's mine. And she probably knows it's worth a few quid, you know what I mean? But, mm. um, but, but the access thing is a huge point because we have so much access to it now. And um, it's just on us all the time. And a jersey means, not that it means nothing. You know, everyone likes a new jersey. But but back then, Jamie, I remember that, that fella one. I remember the, the green and white one. 95 with the big cricket or rugby collar, whatever they called it. Stan Collymore only signed. You know, it was... Um, it was it was so it was so different then and even even what you didn't even get to see a game and you had to wait for a match of the day there was so much more to it 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 excited you a lot more um, and it was the excitement was a lot more natural I felt I know in, in, I know years. where Phil is going because when if Phil is ever in he's been sitting on his hands dying to comment there yeah, for ages I know where Phil is going with this because if Phil is ever in a bad spot there's there's one oh, yeah. word and few numbers that you have to say, and he just literally bursts into a glare. It's like opening a Pandora's box, and Phil just becomes that. He's kind of he's kind of saying Mexico. Are you all right to do yeah, this? I, I, I am. No, 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 Shawnee, it's not even Mexico. And I've said this previously. '86 was the pinnacle of old school football. Right, and I, I call old school football is from seventy right the way through. So you, you, the 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 sort of origination of the modern day game happens in the nineteen seventy World Cup with, with that Brazilian team because that's the force that you really you have color on the television screens. Everyone thinks of that World Cup in color. You think of the way the Brazilian teams play, pass and move and pass and move. And that's the uh, that's where the modern game sort of arrives in in terms of what we look at. But eighty six was the culmination of the forced cycle of that modern game, which is you have. Everything going on. And in England, Liverpool win the double. 
right? So when you take that year as a year in itself, it was also the first time that the tournament is broadcast. Every game in that tournament is broadcast on, on terrestrial television, both in England and in Ireland. Up until then, you didn't have every game. But they broadcast every game then at that point, right? And you had the co- the dual coverage on UTV or ITV and BBC at that time. There was no Channel 4. You've got to remember there's no Channel 4 back then. It's, you've basically got UTV, BBC One, BBC Two. That's it, right? So in Ireland, we had RT1 and RT2. RT2, for the first time, broadcast. I think John Giles and Bill O'Herley were the only coverage on it, right? They didn't have Eamon Dunphy. So you have a very... No, so you had Dunphy and you had O'Herley. You didn't have Giles at that stage. It was Dunphy who wanted to bring Giles onto it. So you have this very different world of football. Analysis wasn't what we get nowadays. It wasn't overanalyzed. People were describing what they were seeing on television. Jimmy Greaves was on, and it was the same at Match of the Day. They just literally described what they're seeing. And this was a great ball here, and it was a great header, and well done to the fella. And that was fantastic. <laughs> and the round of applause. Yeah. Big round, well done. What did you think there, Jimmy? And shakes all around. Fantastic. And look at how hard he was at the tackle, but unfortunately, it just didn't go in. That's the way it is. So you had this, there was an honesty uh, to it. It wasn't overkill because they didn't have time to overkill. Now we've got weeks of programs and days of programs filling up the air where it's over, over analysis in terms of what it is, right? But that was the cycle. From from 86 onwards, you have then the cha- the gradual change in the games. I believe the last great World Cup was 98. I genuinely do. If we weren't, if if, if Ireland weren't in the detention two World Cup, it wouldn't have the same sense for us because of everything that went on with Saipan and the Cameroon game and all that type of stuff, right? If you strip that away, 98 was the last truly great World Cup that was held. And it's also about the last time that we have a a non-globalised version of the game. From the noughties onwards, you have this football. It's 24-7. You have Sky Sports. You have the you have the beginning of all of what we see as as which is now the second cycle. The 90s is this transition period from the old football, the old old school game to the modern game. And from the noughties onwards to where we are, that's what we have. It's been the gradual build-up of 24-7 coverage. And then you've got the you've got social media, you've got everything that's on about what's there, right? But 86 for me is the purest. And if you can get a chance, if people can get a chance to go back and watch it, it's football is mad. The games in that are mind blown. The Brazil France game to this day has never has changed my life. It changed my life as a child, that Brazil France game. And watching John Barnes in the build up to that World Cup in terms of the game that he plays, because he kept showing Barnes in the highlight reel about what he did to Brazil in Rio with the England team, right? And you have that goal he scores. And then in 1987, he signs for Liverpool. Uh, for me, as a Liverpool, that was the first time a transfer was exciting. I was signing this player that I'd watched play for England. And I'm, I'm an Irish, uh, even at that stage, I knew I hated England. I was Irish. Like, do you know what I mean? We were cheering for Scotland in the 86 World Cup. I'm cheering for Northern Ireland, even Northern Ireland, anyone that put England. But when John Barnes came on, it was electric. And you watched him play. And he wasn't English. He was a Brazilian player. In your head, he was this Brazilian player. He was, he was so was fucking different, So different to everything we've ever seen. Right in on our televisions, and like we hadn't seen a George Best, we hadn't seen that type of player. So this was what it was, and genuinely, I swear, if people sh- if they can go back and watch the ADC, it's just a, a Yossi Mars goal. I, I, I get it. I, I, you're right, Sean. I get emotional when it comes to it, but Yossi Mar's goal stands out. He runs down the sideline and bends this outrageous corner over Pat Jennings. Pat Jennings of all goalkeepers and goes in the side net and, and, and he just runs around the hands of Loft going, Ugh. it was like you'd never seen it. it but the, again, even, it's the coverage. Even the way the old lads used to celebrate. Like, yeah. <laughs> just shaking their hands and drawing Robin and that. You weren't doing Yeah, that. when you look at Paolo, it was a Paolo Rossi in the 82 World Cup gets the hat trick. Wasn't it Paolo Rossi? 
Yeah, and yeah, he yeah. literally scores and runs off. It's one of the most famous celebrations. He just runs hands in the air, yeah. doesn't know what to, falls to the falls. Rosso does it in the semi final against Jamie. You remember? Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, but he done the exact same thing. But Jamie, that's that to me. That's where football in my heart is born, and that's where it's it's always wrestling. When I go back, Sean says everyone has that moment as a, as a child that they fully have embraced football as the game and that's all they want to do I was wearing a Maradona number 10 jersey from O'Neill's because O'Neill's used to make knockoff kits all the time right and we were playing the Jimmy Road Leagues and our team won it and <laughs> the winners yeah and, and it was the Jimmy Road Leagues Eddie O'Neill very famous he set up by Madigan United right? that's so right that's right yeah and legend lo- leg- absolute legend of, of, of the, of the he, football game over here me and Peter he's Smith actually mates with Jose Mourinho that's a yeah. fact that is a fact and so me and Peter Smith were on the same team obviously everyone knows Pete that's on this so we were on the same team growing up loads to John, John Bosco to works right but that's what we won we won a choice of our O'Neill's jersey so you could either get um, the yellow Brazil one which had Zico 10 right or Maradona 10 and this was the first time we'd seen names and the numbers on the back of the jerseys right and like this is it this is the blossoming of a young kid I was 1986 I was 9 so you know that age where you've become aware of football and then you just embrace it and it becomes your passion. It's, it encompasses everything. I still have the 1986 Panini sticker book. That's what I have, right? I have the that. Best, the best Mads sticker Gaff. book of all time was the Italian 90 one. It was, Italian 90. Oh. It was like, it was like, it was, did you ever see the barristers walking into court with the, like, the fucking trolleys of all the evidence? This thing needed a trolley. It was absolutely humongous, um, Italian 90. If anyone wants a, a VHS of the 82 official World Cup, um, I have it in the attic. Just, just to remember that. You saw it, Dianne Mulby go. Yeah. <laughs> So we Frank, spoke about some... things, right? So we spoke about things, obviously, that, that have stood in your memory for, for obviously positive reasons and when you kind of your imagination was captured. A question I want to throw to you is, what do you like when Liverpool lose? Because I know that I'm not the best. Um, I'm trying to get better. Um, I've been told off on numerous occasions by the missus that, you know, if Liverpool have had a particularly bad result, you know, and the kids are around and I'm just acting like a child, you know, I basically need to cop on, uh, you know, to myself and, and sort myself out. Shawnee, what do you like when Liverpool lose? Because I know you're, you're an emotional guy like me. Are you something mm. similar? It depends. To know, if we're beaten, I'm a shy. I've gotten to the stage now. If we play bad and we get beaten, I'm like, ah, well, we were poor. But when you get ripped off or you get cheated or something like that, that's the, like my missus is sitting inside now. And I wasn't long with her at the time, uh, the Kiev final. And I was with all of that night. And I ended up meeting her afterwards, yeah. And I had a few gaggles on me. And we were downstairs in a place called, it's called, it used to be called 21, it's called Tramline now. But there was fucking Real Madrid buttons hanging out of the roof. And I started swinging out of them and pulling them down in the middle of the bleeding place because we were to get beaten by them. I was in me horrors. Now, she wasn't long with me. So I was like, this cunt is a fucking... This fella's a psycho. <laughs> and I'll actually pull her out the side. So I'm walking down the keys. And this is this is just an example of how bad I can be. We're walking down the keys, right? And Ramos does a shower around and pulls fucking... Yokes arm out of bleeding socket, and I'm walking up and I said, "See you, fucking Spanish doorboards, fucking cheating animal, Jazar." She was going, "What's wrong with you? It's only a game of football." I said, "See, fucking Ramos, dirty bad. Like you can't win anything. You just have to be underhanded. It's sliving it." I, I was full of venom, and I woke up the next morning and decided, "Oh, she was like, are you all right?" 
<laughs> says, oh yeah, it's only a game of football. And she goes, are you for real? She was like, do you not remember what you were saying to me last night about my people, about Ramos? Says, no, no, I did. Ah, relax, love. Don't know what to Honestly, about. I, I do be, when we get cheated, see that everything game? Honest to God. Oh, don't get me started. Deus. It'll play at me for days, Jamie. I don't mind if we lose games and it's our fault. But my God, when my cheat, it hurt, like, that's when it hurts. Like, I stopped getting emotionally attached to actual footballers with Torres because I was walking up in the forge at the time. Like, Phil had now the Black Forge. And mm. I was a lounge boy cleaning glasses and picking up glasses. I remember walking out into the bar and they just had the telly on. And then my, then my went Sky Sports yellow bar was a thing. Remember? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. something wasn't happening until it was on the yellow bar and it's Sky Sports. And I looked up and it, Fernando Torres at the hand in the transfer request. And I, had to, I went home. I had to go home. <laughs> <laughs> I went home. I'm not even joking you. I turned around to me. I turned around to me, boss, Brian. Who owns Slattery's now in town? And he always pulls this up when I see him. He goes, Remember, you went home sick when Torres handed in the transfer request. It shattered my heart a million pieces when he left Liverpool, even though he wasn't great for the last 18 months. Shattered my heart. I've never been scalded like that in my life before, and I never will again. I never will again. That that broke me. That really hurt. And that's that's when you know, like, it's only a bleeding game. It shouldn't feel like that, but it does because you gets, care. I think it gets. Um, I think it gets easier when you have kids. They're a good distraction. Um, like I used to be awful. I used to be awful. Like, you know, I I go out with my wife twenty twenty more than twenty years, and when she's forced that going out with me, you know, she was into United. She doesn't care about anything now. She's more, she she hopes Liverpool win just so that the house is You're in better form. intact. Um, but it gets easier when you have kids, I think, because like I see Liverpool, like Shani said, Liverpool lose. You go, yeah, but that was shy. And then the kids run in and do something, man. And you go, oh yeah, come on, we do that. And you kind of forget about it. it it's more moments that upset me. You know, like 13, 14 and, and the Gerrard slip and Chelsea and all. That was just deflation and kind of, oh, fuck's sake. You know, 18, 19, um, being in Liverpool the final day of the season and Brighton go ahead and you win and brilliant season and it doesn't happen. You, you kind of, ah, you know what? And even the feeling around Liverpool that night was we'd be back next season and how right they were because Liverpool was absolutely fucking flying that night, by the way. Um, but moments. Like a defiance. Like yeah, a defiance, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think it's moments that kind of get me more and they hit me more. Dag Leach leaving the club knocked me for six. It really did. You know, you, do you remember when um, it's in 74? Well, you don't remember it in 74, but you see the footage of when when um, Bill Shankly announces his retirement and you see the lad in the, on the street and you say, Bill Shankly's retired and he goes, you're having me on. You, you, loads of people have seen that footage. And it's just disbelief. Dag Leach was like that for me. Um, Benitez leaving, I was, I thought it was awful. Um, Hodgson being appointed, awful. Um, oh, Jesus. You know, but, but, but it's more moments. It's more moments nearly outside of the actual game. That kind of gets me a bit more, you know. I, but when we lose, sometimes I'm like Shawnee. I'm like, they were shy. You know, what can you do when you get better next week? Sometimes when you're robbed, yeah, you get annoyed, but... Overall, I, I kind of get more affected by the the moments around the club rather than the game. 
And I I still think back to that, that FA Cup game and and Daglish walks out after and I just beside myself, absolutely beside myself. It's funny. I I can rationalise a lot of what happens on the pitch, whereas certain things like you mentioned the Everton game, Shawnee. I, I couldn't make sense of that. And yeah. and one of my favourite players, Henderson, scored a winner, uh, you know, in a Merseyside derby and all the adversity and then for it to be ruled out the way that it was. And I'd done a, you know, old, I think we mentioned on a previous podcast, like a kid at a disco, old school knee slide up the hall when, when we'd, we'd scored the goal. That was, that was a tough one for me. And I, I didn't recover for a long time after that. I, I don't think I really let myself get into, into the game. Phil, yours, I mean, you spoke about it for, for years. You were badly affected by the 18 the results in 89 that was a tough one boys, for you to just over. remember this remember the safe word boys Mexico 86 Mexico 86 when he starts going on about Barnes bringing in the corner here <laughs> I, I don't know how, but but Phil says this loads of times and I, I've always meaning to ask him like I get you well one nil up Barnes has the chance to go into the corner and he, he goes attacking with it I honestly after 89 and what had happened I didn't care I genuinely didn't care um, and I know people will say, oh, I only saying that because Michael Thomas scored. I genuinely didn't. I don't see how football mattered. I really don't. And I, I know Phil gets very upset over it. Phil? It's, 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 it's an age thing. I'm 12 at that stage. Things are real. So when you're, when the team, when your team, like when you've listened to, read the newspapers and you've even seen it on the news, Liverpool are, will win the league on Friday night, um, uh, blah blah blah. E- they can even afford to lose and still win this, this league title. And every newspaper article was like, "Well, there's no chance Arsenal can win this league here." Like, just think about it. Liverpool can even afford to lose one nil and still win the league title, right? So, you got to remember uh, that's very strange for a young man's psyche saying that we had this thing is in the bag. This is beyond even in the bag. Like we're talking about this is us last February. You know when you, when we could, there's no hope in hell that we can possibly win the league, lose the league from here. Should we only need three points, right? I've been there in that situation where you could afford to lose and still win the league title. And we'd also thrown away a massive lead. People forget that this has been a gradual culmination of everything that went on in 89, that this this wasn't just one result, Gav. We'd thrown away a huge lead uh, after the, 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 the horrific tragedy of Hillsborough, right? And as we got closer to it, it was just a case, well, let's get over the line and then we can go on to the FA Cup and hopefully win a double. And that will be to respect their, their legacy and, and everything else that was there. Um, so for me, there is that. But like, lads, I've... I've uh, Use it just just a couple of years behind me. That's all it is. Like I, I, you know, having grown up around the Titanic Pool, Nike, course, football club, and Axit Athletic grounds, right for so long, so many things that have happened, you couldn't write it. And then when it culminates in the season that happened last year, where we win the league before it, it, we even get to Christmas, essentially, right? That like you couldn't have you couldn't have made it up that the way you're going to win the league, everyone is expecting that will be a, a tight scramble, and we'll just about get over the line in the last game or the last two games. It's there. Yeah. Instead, we're five million points ahead of everyone going into February, right? Do you know what I mean? Like, there's nobody catching us, and, and it's just a trot. And if the, if if the lockdown doesn't happen, people won't wouldn't even be paying attention to what's going on this season. They'd be still talking about the amount of points that we won the league by. Like, you'd still be talking about it. It's, and that, to me, I think we get 100 points if we don't have the lockdown as well. 100%. So, it, it, you know, when I talk about, but for me, I the, the passion for results, I lost maybe, and I, I, I know, Jamie, it was in the agenda, but for me, the passion, I lost the passion in the results when I started doing this podcast. 
right? That's my, next, my next question, actually. And it probably leads in, but like for me, it just, it just, I lost so much passion for the game doing the podcast. And it's off the back of trying not to be over the top, trying not to be too depressed and too, like I remember when we started this, fuck me, we were, we went through, we did 13, 14. When we started, we started in 13, 14. I started, I, I planned it from t- the end of 2012 onwards. And we, we started it in 2013 for the start of that season. Um, and, it was an emotional roller coaster, but you almost win the league. 14 15, man. Like, we've lost loads oh, of 14, podcasts. 14 15 was fucking horrendous. Go back, go back and listen to it, and you're just looking at Skirtle and you're looking at like you're looking at players and you're just going, Fuck me, how did we end up back in this situation? Minulay and goal and with his pancake face and everything. And no, it just, the, biggest, it, the biggest travesty was Roy Hodgson taking Daniel Sturridge in that summer. We'd um, 14 15, yeah. if you remember, we'd signed Balotelli, haven't we? And we, have. we beat Spurs 3-0 at White Hart Lane and Sturridge goes off on international duty with Hodgson. Under the strict instruction that he needs certain rest and certain stretching and certain this and they disregard the whole thing. And that ends Liverpool's season because from then on, from August 2014, Sturridge is not the same player. Yeah, we didn't score the goal for about six months after that then as well. But, but back to back to the bigger point, Jamie. From that point, when you have to keep going and going through those results all the time, one of the things that happens for me is that people, something I recognised earlier is that people get lost in the micro nature of the result that's happened at the weekend without taking a step back and looking at the macro of the overall season. It's something we brought up last year and when we started doing the forum as well, it was to get away from the micro. Like The, the lads covered really well in the Fatback Four. The lads were covering it really well with the pre uh, the preview show at the weekend and it was to do something that, that lifts you out from the micro because people spend so much time being impacted by the result without looking at the larger lens, and which is like, well, where are we? As a club, where are we? Right? What What does this look like? And even as we went on the run-in, and you, you step back a bit, and you looked at, well, how many points can can this team get? If, if, if they go on a run of eight wins, is that enough to get to the Champions League? It didn't look like it, but then it ends up being that way, and we're the only team that looks capable of doing it. So it's that when you stop being a fan, and I truly believe when you're doing these podcasts, and if you want to really get into them, you stop being you have you, you stop being a fan. I know you know people will say, "Well, no, I'm a fan." I go to, the, but you can't. Not if you want to do it properly. Not if you want to sit there and do an agenda and sort of take your mind out of of everything that goes. No, seriously, if you want no, to take your mind you out, to, to to be able to 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 drive discussion, to look at different points, to be able to sit there and say, "Okay, who who am I going to have on this pod?" Because I want to have somebody who's going to have a voice that's going to think this way. I'm going to have somebody who's very positive about things, but I also want somebody who's going to question everything that's going on. So is that you have that debate. That it's not just a nodding shop. It's not just people sitting there agreeing that the that whoever said that in the corner says the right point, and we all nod and say that's great. What's the point? Anyone can do that. Like that yeah. isn't what when when I when when I set the podcast up, it was always with a view of putting people's voices on who were different and had a different opinion. And the best compliment I've ever gotten doing this, and and thankfully the way Gav has taken it on, it's the exact same way. The best compliment people always give is, it's like listening to, it's like listening to the ta- the chat I have in the pub. It's like talking to my mates about food. Got to mute himself. You muted yourself there, Phil. No? No, don't know what's happened there. I've, uh, turn it off and, and turn it back on again, see if that He's being, he's being censored, he is. That's yeah. what it is. Gav, I'll come to yeah. you because he does make a good I'm point, actually. 
you go. Uh, no, he's there. He's there. He's there. He's back. I'll, I'll come to to Gav because he makes it. Phil makes a good point, and it leads me on kind of nicely. We've got three questions that I want to get through, and then we'll we'll wrap up. And and I know what Phil means, particularly when I'm hosting. I don't really give opinions. I'm about getting opinions out of the people that are on the show, um, and I think that's important. You want to create a conversation and different viewpoints and prod at certain points. So I know what Phil means. You desensitize yourself a little bit. But Gav, you know, obviously Phil Phil created the the, the podcast and, and went through <laughs> some bleak times, <laughs> you know, as a, as a club and, and obviously covered those on the podcast. How have things changed for you obviously since you're 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 running the show and and obviously you you know you're spinning a lot of plates how has being part of this podcast changed you as a fan it, whether that's in a positive way you know made you as as phil says kind of desensitize what impact has it had on you um it makes you a lot not even running a podcast or or, or you know, organised. Now, I think being part of a podcast makes you, and even being part of the chat, I think it makes you more open to people's opinions. You know, like, look, like I, I, I've often had, you know, opinions on football or opinions on, on a game and going, oh, fuck that, I'm not listening to nobody and that's the fucking end of it. And they were shy or they were great or they were robbed or whatever it might be. And, and Phil mentioned there about the fat back four and, you know, we still do that every Sunday and, and Pete and and Grizz always says it. You know what you see on screen is what you see off screen, and that couldn't. He's bang on because me and Shawnee had row. Grizz had row with Shawnee. Keith had have a row. I'd have a row with Keith. And row with everyone. Yeah, all the way through WhatsApp for the week, and then we get on. And the first thing we say to each other when the four of us get on at five to ten or ten to ten or something. Like, What's the story, lads? All right. I'm like literally ten minutes earlier. I could be saying to Shawnee, "Would you ever shut the fuck up?" You know what I mean? Uh, or Shawnee could be the same to me or Grizz or whatever it might be. I think with doing a podcast or even being in a chat about a podcast, it opens your mind. It opens your mind to more football. I think it opens your mind to other people's opinions, how to take them, how to give your opinion. Um, but but Phil is right. You have to desensitize yourself a little bit because. If you don't, if you don't desensitize yourself, you start to look a bit silly. All right, and 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 I'm not saying take the emotion away. I'm not saying take the 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 passion away. But there is times where if I didn't desensitize myself a little bit, like I've gone on rants. Trust me, I've gone on rants. Everyone fucking here knows that. But if I was full on, like I wouldn't be here tomorrow. I'll probably do that way. So it does it does make you. And I'm not doing that to, 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 you know, dull it down a bit and make it more presentable. I'm doing it because over the years of doing this podcast, and in fairness, I'm doing this podcast because Phil and Andy asked me to go and do a podcast. And when I do it now, I suppose when I look at it, I kind of think to myself, you know, yeah, you're probably emotional, but you have to channel it in the right way. And if you channel it in the right way, you get, better things out of yourself, better things out of other people, and it becomes a better show. You're not trying to produce a show because I can promise you we don't come on here with, like, Jamie gives an agenda. Like, <laughs> I've never seen an agenda. Yeah, it's at, the, it's at the game. Butchered. We were, we yeah, we butchered it. We butchered about X in the but, city, but, skin marks. But genuinely, like, the only, the only other person I've seen try to come up with an agenda, and this will amaze you, is Grizz Khan. And Grizz Khan will say, I'll do the agendas, lads, and I promise you, <laughs> Two weeks later, he's forgot all about the fact that he's doing the agenda. You know, the sort of way. So it's just come on and we know what we're going to talk about and we do it. 
you know, the sort of way. But I think the biggest thing out of the podcast, and, and even if you've got one of those listeners to come on now and and talk to us, I think from watching us, um, not that they've learned anything, but they've realised that you can go absolutely off on tangents, which is great. You can go up high, you can go really low with regards to your feelings. But if you channel it in the right way, it becomes a much better discussion. And, and Phil's right, you know, we pride ourselves on a couple of things. One is always being free. And two is that the chances are what you're hearing is what you're going to hear down the pub. Do you know what I mean? Like, and, and that's, I, I think that's the biggest thing of the lot. I think, I think the fact that it's become a community and the fact that people feel involved and the fact that you would watch this and go, yeah, I heard a fella down the pub saying similar a couple of days ago. I think that's a huge thing. I think I think Emmett nails it. He says LFC Day Trippers is everybody's football WhatsApp group in podcast form. Different opinions, but every opinion valued at the same time. Yes, there'll be arguments, but everyone's still pan, pal, pals in the end. And 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 that for me, it, it's absolutely it. And and I think Phil said it before. You don't just want nodding dogs. And the fact that we're able to to poke fun, have different opinions, and row like at the time, you mean it, you mean it, you know. But that I think is is the beauty of it, Johnny. Like you three lads have had different experience with podcasts than me because you have all had to be the captain of the ship at some stage. You know what I mean? Like when I first started, Phil was one of the fellas who was up in the bunker. Gav, you're doing it now. Jamie, you hosted shows. Whereas I've only ever only have to come in and be like a supporting cast. But I'm going to be 100% honest with you here. I'm so selfish when it comes to how I feel about what the podcast is because it's open doors for me that I thought would never be possible. And I'm not talking about like talking about football. I'm talking about, I'm going to get a bit soppy here because it's just the truth. It's the friendships that I've made throughout this podcast. It's people that I know now that I would have never known. It's experiences that I've had that I never would have had. And I know Phil, Gav, they don't see it that way. I was in Madrid with Dicko. And, and Steve, I would have never happened if it wasn't for the podcast. I have mates now, like that WhatsApp group, I be snapping after 90% of the games. And then I go in that WhatsApp group after 10 minutes. And it feel like if you listen to um, if you listen to uh, the Blind Boy podcast, he has something that's called the podcast hug. Is just someone in there making you laugh? Or that with an argument or something else mad that's going on. But the, but the, so, the motto, Shani, in, in that WhatsApp in a group, way, isn't it? In a way, it's like a family. Like, you know what I mean? Jamie has been in and out of that WhatsApp group more <laughs> times than I care to imagine. Because more comebacks just, than Rick Flair. Yeah, that's... He's like... It's just... <laughs> I'm learning. I'm learning. It's, it's a mad gaff. And the best thing is that we've been out on nights out. And it's like a podcast where nobody's... Nobody's listening and nobody's watching, only us. And we're having the crack. Like the stories that we've, you can tell from just like five years, six years is all I've been doing this for since 15, 16 season, I think. And the amount of stories I have just from being in the company of the lads. And then it's going on to this. It's unbelievable. This has completely changed my experience as a fan and football because imagine me. Last year, Liverpool win the league. Oh, yeah, it's great. I'll be up with me, but gaff having the crack. But I don't get to have the crack with yours and experience all that the way we did. Do you know what I mean? In the Camden or in Madrid, or like it's it's unbelievable, like what it's done. Like it's changed everything, and it's great that so many people now are listening in and they feel the same way about it because you get all like 
football media is diabolical these days. It's absolutely over-pushed, over-analyzed, over-hyperbole bollocks talk. Let's be honest. That's what it is, a lot of it. This is just raw. This is raw. We'll go off now. I'll be getting slagged in the WhatsApp for this. Phil be getting lashed over tomorrow for something he says. To be, to Phil, be got, pictures Phil of, got lashed out earlier because he had the audacity to go and get a vaccine and yeah. uh, wasn't didn't wasn't feeling unwell after it was fucking to be, amazing. The be photo shops, the be photo shops of Gab. <coughs> it's just it's what is Don't podcast? Try, not after the last one. It's mental, honestly. I'm gonna be honest with you. The season's over, but if you want to get into the if you want to get into the WhatsApp. Revolute me a tenner and I'll add you in. <laughs> It'll be the best Shana's tenner you've ever spent. Shine's looking life. for the spend the money for Carrick on Shannon. The, I'm right, you, the, the, motto, the motto to that WhatsApp group, though, is, and it's the rule number one if you can survive 30 minutes in that WhatsApp group after Liverpool draw or defeat, you'll be absolutely <laughs> fine. That's the motto. That was my stumbling block for a long time, but I've, I've, <laughs> I've got over it now. Uh, can, just, just, I've got my microphone walking on my earphones. I can hear what you're saying. It's great. Um, but like, some of the lads there saying bring back the bunker. I think for me, I, when we started doing this in the lockdown, I thought ah, I'll just do a couple and I don't know if this internet stuff going to work. I don't know if this internet is going to catch on with these people or anything like that, like that. But it seems to work, right? But I can't wait, and I'll be honest with you, I can't wait to get back in to our shed and start having people around the table again because. There's one question I've never answered. Why did I set this up? Why did I set up the, the, the podcast with Andy and Steve right back at, at the very start? Why did I set it up? And for me, it was to replace the dressing room that I was no longer in because I packed in playing football. Oh, I didn't like coaching. Didn't didn't want to be a manager. Didn't want to be. Didn't I didn't want to spend that time because I just it just used to hurt me that I wasn't playing anymore. Right, but to be able to go to a small space when it be at the Astro Park in Tallow where we used to do it or back up to where we built the studio and you get five or six people and anyone that's been in a dressing room in a football changing room there's always five or six that you that you yeah, always you have to always with. miserable you used to come through the door like the most <laughs> miserable man in the world with the laptop on the other thing and you go oh I fucking hate all of you and then you just <laughs> knock on the laptop yeah, and then we'd start, and then then the, then Phil number four would pop in the door to start it all off, right? Yeah, yeah. Right, and then I'd, get, I'd, I'd have a bit of crack by the end of it, and then I'd walk back out, and I'd be smiling as I walk back out the door. Like it, to me, that's like I used to hate going training, used to hate going playing matches, but then I'd play it and I'd come back in and it'd be great crack afterwards. He win, lose, or draw. Like, do you know what I mean? And to me, that was the reason, Gav. That was I'd met Steve, or I'd met Andy socially in terms of what we've done. I'd met um, a few of the other lads that are that are involved even now. Like I knew Shane from playing ball. And, and all that type of stuff and used to get on with them and have the crack so to take that fun and games that we had and put it into something that we could push out there and we took it so far and we did a great job right at the start but then my love for it was lost and my love for it was genuinely lost of doing it because as you know yourself Gav there's so much to do and there's so much to have to keep doing and I was trying to hold down a full time job there's other stuff going on and it, just, it was just a drag right now yeah, but being you were able just to blessed just, that I retired you see that's it. That's it. But that's it. And thankfully, you and then you retired and, and and came back like Ric Flair and took yeah. this on and started uh, started building yeah. again. But that brought my love back for because I could just focus on doing the show. As Johnny says, for me, it's even though I still do my bits in terms of what's going on, the show, 
I'm able to just focus it. Here's the four. Like, what are we doing? Here's the four topics. Right, go. Go for it. And if I can't make it one week, it doesn't make that much of a difference. I used to feel terrible if I couldn't make it back two or three years ago because it wasn't going to be a show or to be a nightmare. And then I'd end up getting 10 phone calls saying, how do you turn this on? What do you do here? What do you do there? <laughs> do you know? And Jamie, when you talk about when that's going on and, and you're trying to watch the matches, you're just going, fuck football. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I, I just want I want something that takes me away from all this and not and doesn't become a bugbear. And that's what we have now. Now Gav has to deal with all that shit. I don't have to deal with it. It's great. Oh yeah, you know, but the, the problem what, what the do problem I do with I have this? is the problem I have is that yeah, I've all that to deal with, but I just keep finding more stuff to do. And yeah. I don't know I don't know why I keep doing it. And every day I go, Oh for fuck's sake, Gav. And I've more stuff to do. But but to be honest with you, like Shawnee was saying there it's raw and you know, Phil was saying that you do get a bug for it. And and Jamie's the same. I know Jamie's the same. Jamie gets a bug for it. Um, all the lads get a bug for it. Like people are asking there, what's going to happen when the studio comes back with it? Like the plan is to to, to fly Grizz into Dublin twice a month for the Fatback Four on a Sunday night. Um, the forum will definitely go there. What we we have to do with a walk on the studio because it's been lying idle for over a year. Mm. So we have to go in and check what state it's in, um, and then revamp, do some sort of revamp on it. But we'll only bring it back to you when when it's re- absolutely ready to go. And the people that are going to be in it are happy with it because there's no point in me going down going that looks great there you go lads Monday night doesn't work like that everyone has to come in and give their input and yeah I like that I don't like that move this move that and that's what happens but look the only thing I would say is that it's um, I think when the studio comes back it's going to even get better but we never want to lose that chat so we'll always make sure that that chat is there because Shani will tell you Grizz Keith Phil Andy Jamie Davo you know Chris Brack anyone that's on the chat makes it. The yeah. chat yeah, makes Grizz, it. We only Grizz had a conversation. Grizz yeah, and G. Smith will never win another fucking che- uh, quiz again if there's no chat. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. But but the thing is, like, it does make it because, like, p- loads of people have told us that, you know, you've got me through COVID, you know, you've got me through this lockdown, you've got me through that. And that's great. But it goes back the other way as well. You know the kind of way? Like, us doing this, well, every night gets us through it. Do you know the sort of way? So, look, all we can do is keep going and, and try our best and um, try not to fucking absolutely annihilate Jamie's fucking agendas from here on in. No, uh, uh, Stefan uh, said in the in the chat there about my agenda and whatever. And my job as a host is to get you lads talking. So, you know, when I come up with these agendas and I think of different topics, you know, bringing up the podcast and how it started and how it's evolved to get you talking and maybe showing a side of yourselves that maybe doesn't come through all the time when we're talking about, you know, what's happened within a football match is, is gold for me. Um, so no, you've, you've all been super sports and there's two, but there is two questions that I want to finish on before we wrap up, because we'll probably be here till midnight. Right. And I'm going to come to you first, Shawnee. So to pull it back to Liverpool, um, favorite ever player, favorite oh player in the current squad most disliked player and your most underrated player please and then i'm going to go around the room is that four questions well there's yeah, actually another question to come after this one but yeah all right. four in four in the one okay favorite ever player won't be anyone that any years have Xavi alonso is my favorite ever player don't ask me why just infatuated with the bloke and i have even more so when he left Liverpool, I nearly ended up just following him, to be honest with you. I uh, like I that just, with Virgil now at this stage, yeah, I think. I, I just love, I love the player. He, he, he leaves Liverpool. Oh, he's probably one of, he's one of the reasons why I have a slight dislike to Rafa Benitez. 
for the way he fucked him out for Garrett Barry and it never happened. I love Xabi Alonso. I always did. Favourite player in this current squad. Like I was saying earlier, I, I like to think that I like to think that I like I look at the players that I think it means most to, and I love Trent. I love Trent Alexander. I, you see that that run of games he goes on. I mean, I think it means more to him playing by Liverpool than anyone else in that team. The same way it did for Gerrard, and I, I love Gerrard. He, he might be in there, but Trent in this current one, most dislike player, simple one. El Hadjouf. He was a knacker. That's the only word I have for him. He was a knacker. He brought disgrace to the jersey and he's done nothing but talk shy ever since he left. He's a doorport. He's a scumbag. That's just it. spitting at fans, disrespecting the jersey. Most underrated player. I'm saying this and I'm being honest with you. The most underrated player is playing in this team now. And I hate the disrespect that he gets. And people can turn around and say, oh, no, no. But he's all fucking deal. As soon as he has a few bad games, everyone blames him. And everyone's turning around. Mohamed Salah is the most disrespected footballer in the Fils history of Liverpool. Straight up. Fils it straight up as soon as that name came out of his mouth. He is the most disrespected. And to talk about a fella who has carried us this season, and I'm being honest with you, you can talk, say whatever you want in the chat. He should be held in the same regard as your Dalglishes. Forget about Fowler and fucking Owen. Fowler won nothing with Liverpool won't win it. That's the truth. He was a local lad who banged in a load of goals. Uh, get a stick for that God, whatever you call him. Mo Salah, what he's done for this football club since he came in, he is in the echelon of the greats of your Dalglishes, of your Sunesses, of your John Barneses. Mo Salah is the embodiment of this Liverpool team. He's elite. He's always showed up. And talking about Genie leaving and being a club legend, this fella is the, the most disrespected by outsiders and by insiders. I see people turning around saying they'd sell him for this and for that. As soon as he has a couple of bad games, he's gone off the boil. Everyone blames him. He gets the blame on everything. Salah always gets the blame on everything. He's the most underrated player to ever play for Liverpool in my time because he's not regarded as one of the greatest footballers ever wear the jersey, and he should be. Phil, Tom says it perfectly in the chat. Three, two, one, let Phil go. No, I've said it numerous times on the forum. Mo Salah is the greatest player we've ever had at this club. Without, there, isn't a, there isn't a player that can actually touch what he's done, what he's delivered, and what he's brought in. And, and people will argue about Kenny, and they'll argue, fair enough, with John Barnes and, and Steve Gerrard and everything, but in 10 years' time, when we stand back and we compare players, we're going to look at Salah and go, fuck me. This is a fella who's at the level of Messi and Ronaldo playing for Liverpool at a point where we do two Champions League finals back-to-back, we finish runners-up and then go win the league. We, and we break that mental thing about getting over the league. Um, and I completely agree with agree with Sean. Mo Salah, to me, is the greatest Liverpool player to have ever worn the jersey. And I just wish he wore a number seven because that would be the legacy for me, which would be perfect because you'd have the Kenny legacy, you had Suarez and you have Salah. Salah is like, see, if, if, if you were to ask me who my favourite, my favourite player is, is always going to be Luis Suarez because he has, he has the, the madness that I adore in players. It's like when we have the debate around Messi and Maradona. For me, it's Maradona over Messi because he has the madness. He does the mad things but also achieve greatness. 
And my re- greatest regret is for both Gerard and, and Suarez not to have won the league in that team because I think it would have been such an amazing thing to have between Sturridge. I think those players in 13-14 deserve to win the league. I thought they were brilliant in terms of what they did and deserve to win it. But Salah for me is just simply the best. Um, but Suarez, yeah, is my favourite. And, and, and again, Suarez is my favourite purely for the nastiness in him, purely for the insanity, for the biting, for everything that went on with him, right? Um, I'm not condoning the racism. That, that's, I won't condone that. But I will say for, for the mad things like biting Chiellini's shoulder in the, in the World Cup, for saving that ball and being hated by everyone in a previous World Cup, for the stuff that he does, that, uh, look, Salah, Suarez to me, but t- today, today, I'd... I'd, I'd watch Salah, put him on the television and just going to watch the guy play. And I hate when people say, look at the amount of chances he misses. He scores 40-odd goals a season. If he wants, if he can miss five or six, he's the only one that's scoring all the time. He's brilliant. Love him. But it's, it's the thing that annoys me is, it's like, oh, he doesn't care. He doesn't celebrate goals. This, that and the other. Like, look at the raw emotion after the goal against United. Oh. He's being left out of all these teams in the air and all. Salah is a ridiculous. We don't we don't appreciate him because there's so many good footballers in the side at the moment. That is that that's the reason why we don't appreciate him. That's because there's Mane's, there's Virgils. There's what was Robos, the next? The what next was the one? Next? And you and you you've got a few of these you could pick. Most disliked player because you've certainly yeah. been vocal around one or two in the past. I've, look, I've got a I've got a list longer than the players that I like. But like my most disliked player was Lucas Leiva. I hate him. He was, he was basically, the, he's the epitome of Liverpool being shit, right? That's probably how we met, was arguing over Lu- Lucas Laver yeah. on Twitter. He also blocked me as well. And I've never, I've never tagged him in a tweet or everything. Albert Rene- ever, Rene- Rene- blocked right? me. So he must have searched up his name when I was just talking about him. But like, anytime you think of Liverpool being shit in the last 30 years, Leiva was in the middle of that midfield. Absolute geek now, right? I'd never, I was delighted when he, when you see the stuff, he was at the club 10 years. That's just because we were crap for 10 years. Like, he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have survived in a squad up until now. Like, I know. Lucas is my most disliked player. Like, and, and like, that's over downing John Glenson, um, Scratchel. The, I just cannot stand like those. <laughs> There were so many crap players. Like, there's so many bad ones. But Lucas is at the top of the tree because every time you see him being rolled out, I mean, put in the mid- middle of that park, we were not finishing anywhere near top four. And, and people, he was great servant. Yeah, he was great servant. Brilliant. When we were crap. It's, I can't believe the, the, amount of, the amount of shite that I play for us. That Phil picks the most <laughs> six, seven out of ten player that's ever played for a club in his history as his most hated. I just hate him. <laughs> He was just nut, random porridge the length of the pitch from the time he got. Lucas came here as the next Gerard, and he was more like the ready brick man, just walking around with a glow <laughs> on. Who's your Who's your underrated player? Underrated player. Um, it's always an interesting one that underrated. I think Sammy Hoopia, if you consider what he what we paid for and what he did. But I think Stefan Honcho beside Hoopia for for everything that goes on in that team and for what they achieved. Honcho was the bedrock along with Hoopia. And people never talk about him as being a great Liverpool centre back or anything like that. But without Hancho, you don't have. And I hated Julio's time at the club, but like you don't have all the trophies that that went on because those two were were inseparable, and they weren't the same team without it. Like I, I could have said, Finnan as well. I love Finnan, but that's where the, where we used to have the original logo with Steve Finnan. But like yeah, Hancho for for what he does 
And he even single-handedly pulls off three of the best saves that we've seen in a cup final for, as, as a Liverpool player. If we had Honcho on goal the night of the Champions League final against Real Madrid, we would have won that match. Really. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't have had a fall now with me misses anyway, that's for sure. <laughs> and, and you wouldn't have had to remember it. No. <laughs> um, so we know who your favourite ever is, John Barnes, I'm guessing. Favourite ever in the well favorites in the current squad i should say uh well it's definitely john barnes i'm not letting that pass without telling you how good john barnes was uh sean he's always asked me about john barnes and i keep telling him just yeah, go on I, youtube it, yeah it's a it's a <laughs> shame all right I wonder if your woman who had Moby joke in the attic has a few tapes she could Ah, uh, Listen, Charlie, just go and type John Barnes' compilation and you'll find 10, 12 minute videos. He was so fucking good. He was, he just had everything. He had fucking everything. He was, he was so fucking good. And um, the best player, is it the best player in this current squad? Yeah, current Or your yeah. favorite favorite, player? favorite, favorite, yeah. Um, I liked, I liked the trend show. I love Andy Robolo. I have to say, he's all action. He, he bring, he's actually a throwback. He's a bit of a throwback where he just, there's not a lot of fancy about him, but he's a fucking extremely good footballer. You know, um, he can, he can get up and down. He has pace. He gets the odd goal. He gets assists. Um, he's a bit, there's a bit of Steve Nichol off him. Um, that he can kind of do everything. Um, I love Robbo. I have to say, I love Robbo. But there's so many players that love him that side. Like, like it's nearly criminal not to think Virgil van Dijk because he's, I think he's the best defender we've had in 30 years. Easy. Um, Ever? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. But, you uh, know, when you, well, when you look at Hansen and stuff like that, Hansen uh, was it, fucking outrageous. But just the best ever played a game. I might yeah, be. I, I I think, agree, I, I, yeah, it's it's a great, it is a great show and it's probably criminal not to pick Virgil, but I think my favourite is probably Andy Robbo because I just love the way, I love his passion, I love his enthusiasm. When you're slapping Messi across the back of the head, you get my vote. It's as simple as that. Um, <laughs> What what was the next one? Disliked and underrated. Uh, disliked is definitely El Hajj Juff. He's just a fucking prick. Um, that's the end of that one. And underrated in all time watching Liverpool. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's it's kind of a hard one because I think when players leave, they get a lot more credit when than when they play it. I think Mascherano is a huge show. Mm-hmm. I think. You know, when Mascherano played, people thought he was just running around and shuttled and tackled, but he done a lot more than that. And he gets more respect now, I think, than when, when he was at the club. Um, but I, I, I'd probably go with Javier Mascherano because he was so fucking good. He was so good. And he was that good that he left that brilliant position where he was so good and went and played centre-half for five years and he was fucking great. By Barcelona. Yeah. Um, like, no, so, just didn't go and play for some hatchet job. No, no. He, went, he literally went and played for the one of the best club side you've ever seen and not a bother to him. Um, so yeah, I, I go, I think, but I think that, I think the Salah stuff is very, very true. I think he's, I think he's probably one of the most underrated or most disrespected footballers you've ever seen. I don't want to come across edgy saying Salah or not, but it's just true. I don't like, I just, I feel that he doesn't get the love he deserves from any, any part of the football mode. I really don't. Like, Jay, it's ridiculous. Can I just give a left field show for underrated player? Go on. Nigel Spackman. If anyone had to watch the 87 to 89 uh, He sounds like I've laid in WWF wrestler. He fought Hulk Hogan at <laughs> WrestleMania 14 or something. Whatever. Go. <laughs> anyone goes back. If you see the influence that Spackman had on that team, that 87, 88 team, honest to God, I encourage anyone to go back and watch it. He was immense. 
And that was when Whelan had injuries and McMahon had injuries and he stepped in and he marshaled that midfield. So there you go. Stick in Nigel Spackman there is underrated. Well, Nobody there you can remember he plays for us. There's two things to YouTube. John Barnes compilations. And if you can get Liverpool 5, Nottingham Forest, Neil, um, enjoy. Because it was outrageous. Right. The last question to finish, lads. Right. And Nigel I'm going to go around the room. Yeah, Nigel Spackman is the answer to the question that I haven't asked. Uh, I'm going to come to you first, Shawnee. What does Liverpool Football Club mean to you? And whenever we do these shows, I'm going to finish with the cheesy answer. Simply put, what does the club mean to you? Too much, I think, that I've risked relationships, friendships <laughs> and everything on the back of it. And the fact of the matter is, it is only a game. But, uh, um, it, look, outside your family and your friends, it's football and then Liverpool in that order. That's the way it is for me. That's it's massive for me. And Liverpool, as we know, has been taken away from us because I love going over to games. I love going up to the bunker. I love going out with my mates to watch football, <laughs> watch games out, and even meet up with you lads and have a few points or whatever. And I just can't wait to do all that again because, like, that's a staple in my life. Is that I like I'd plan trips to Liverpool. Like around other things, you know what I mean? If someone said, Oh, yeah, I'm getting married, I'd say, Yeah, well, I can't go. You might but want to so- knock her on the head, buddy, till, till the end of the season. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah, when is it? Yeah, all right. Like, that's just the way. Like, if I arranged the wedding and we ended up made, I, I hear the blokes, oh, I got married on the day of the Champions League final. Like, yeah, bleeding dope. I would have been putting her out. That's how seriously I take Liverpool. I don't care about a 10 grand deposit for a hotel. They can go and swivel. But uh, now it means everything. It means everything without. Um, a hell of a lot. A hell of a lot. I think it's one of those relationships you have that, you know, <laughs> it's been a cunt of a relationship for, for a lot of the time. Um, it really has. Like, when you look at, when you look at the mid-90s, you know, when you're getting the odd league cup and stuff like that, and then, you look at the Hodgson years, but then when you look at the, even 13, 14, you know, you don't win a league, but that's one of the, up there, one of the best seasons you've ever watched. It's memories, you know, and it's a, it, it's the definition of a long-term relationship that has ups and downs. You know, when you hear people going, how do you get on? Ah, we have our ups and downs. That's exactly what it is. You know, like I said, I'm nearly 40 years of age. I have two kids and, um, you know, those, t- they, those kids take up an awful lot of your time and, and your emotion and stuff like that. But Liverpool sneaks in there in a big way. And, you know, my daughter asked about Liverpool, loves, walks around singing uh, Dirty Old Town to the Virgil van Dyke words. <laughs> and she's asking me to order Virgil van Dyke t-shirts off our site and stuff like that. And my son hasn't got a clue, but he will. But it means a hell of a lot, Jamie. It really does. And, you know, it's only when, it's only when you sit back and think about it, how much it actually shapes your week, how it shapes your weekend, how it shapes your, your humor. Um, and, you know, there's good times, there's bad times, there's awful times, but I don't think you change it. I, th- I think, I don't think you would change it because I often think like, not even doing this podcast, but I even think like, if, like, who doesn't support football? What would you be fucking doing if you didn't support football? <laughs> My son. They're, they're weird. Yeah, you know what I mean? And, uh, like, uh, genuinely, I, I think that, and I, I'm probably completely wrong. They, they support another sport, you know, interest in football, but it's, 
it's only when you sit back and think about if it wasn't there, actually how big it is. And it's huge. It's absolutely huge, you know. Like people are saying there about Celtic being your second side and stuff like that. Celtic were never my second side. I'd never an interest in Celtic Rangers and, and stuff like that. League of Ireland was always my was always my other love and, and Shamrock Rovers and, and still are. And you know, if you ask me this on the Shamrock Rovers podcast next week, what did he mean to you? I'd probably say the exact same thing. It, it just means a hell of a lot and it shapes, it ends up shaping your life. It actually does when you think about it. It shapes your life. Phil? Nothing. <laughs> there he is now. Here's Edgy Heron. He's going to Van Halen now. Here's Edgy Heron's going to give you an update on Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fiori now as well. Edgy Guerrero. <laughs> Edgy Guerrero, Latino, he's not nothing. I, like, the, the, I, I get the lads and the passion that's there, and it's great. Um, well, Liverpool for me is a pastime, right? It's an enjoyable pastime that's allowed me to forge great friendships and um, look forward to things that will be we can do in the future, right? After that, like when people put like Liverpool, like for me, I have family, I have kids and stuff like that. That's always going to be above above what's there. Football for me now is something that fits into my life where before it used to be something that dominated my life, right? And, and that's just being straight, Jay. But without Liverpool, I wouldn't have the, 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 the friends I have. I wouldn't have the crack I have. So it, it's always going to be the draw that brings me back to want to talk about football, want to talk to the lads, want to talk about what's going on. And that to me is, it's a... It's what do they call those things? Um, fulcrum. It's a fulcrum, right? It's something that everything, everything that's not serious revolves around. Do you get me? It's yeah. it, and when I say that's that's my pastime. It's where I can go to take myself away from the stress and the escapism is a word that's come yeah. up a lot in the chat tonight. And, and the hardships that exists, and that's why when you say to me, "What does it? What does Liverpool? Liverpool in reality means nothing." but it means so much. And that's why I love it. Do you know what I mean? That's why you love it because it's something that you put your own effort and your own time into. You don't have to. There's nothing that draws you to do it, but you make the effort to do it. And that's where I'm coming from. So on me, Edgy Van Halen, Edgy Guerrero shoot, it's it's, it's a genuine affection for a club that's given me so much, but doesn't really impact the seriousness that everyday life is. It's, It's the bit that it's my escapism. Just, he, just to let, sorry, just to let people the knock, know. He's at the knocking the bollocks out of answer, isn't he? Just to let people know that when we, when, when COVID is lifted and, um, you know, we're able to meet up again, we'll all be having the crack on this side of the room. But if you pay five euro to me, Phil, in a soundproof booty, <laughs> we'll just tell you home truths and send you home. <laughs> <laughs> right, lads, we are... Oh, we are. We've got a super chat in there right at the very end. Uh, only fake fans have a second side. Loyal fan, fans find a side and stick with them through the good and the bad times. That must Michael be at me. That must be at me, um, Michael. Um, Michael Ramsey's always having goals at you. Ah, I love it. Um, but just to let you know, Michael, I live in, I'm, I'm from Dublin in Ireland and um, I actually support a team that I shouldn't support because it's on the wrong side of the sea. But I was brought there um, and it was my first, it was the first live game I've ever been at. So that's why I have two teams and I'm not apologising if that's okay. I'm not apologising for it if that's okay with you. Now, we're going to wrap up, lads, because it's 12 o'clock at night. So before we do, um, I enjoyed that. It was something a little bit different and it turned out exactly the way I'd, I'd hoped. So, so I appreciate that. Gav, um, before we wrap up, 
what's coming up for the rest of the week? Uh, we have a night off tomorrow. Um, thank God. And um, we just seem to walk all the time, don't we? Uh, Thursday is a transfer agenda show. I think Grizz, Keith, Avi will be definitely on there. Friday night is Chris Brack, the Friday forecast. And that's another look at one of Liverpool's European runs. I'm not too sure which year yet. And off Saturday, as normal, I'm back on Sunday. But... Um, yeah, we're back on Sunday with the fat back four. We are launching a Euro 2021 Fantasy League tomorrow. Um, that came up today. And as I said, we haven't got enough to do. We just start doing that. Um, and the winner don't, of that is... Don't put any it's Spain a, players in your team because it looks like they're going to have to pull out a fucking tournament. It's a, well, it's a winner takes all and the winner will get a um, a national jersey or Liverpool jersey if you want. A jersey air choice. How does that sound? Um, so it's a winner takes all in the Euros. Um... That's about it. Yeah, that's about it. I think we're good. The Sienna stuff, of course, go make sure you support Sienna. All all, all money made by the LFC Day Trippers in June is going to Sienna. So if we're doing that, you can throw a few quid into GoFundMe. Walk, run, jog 5K on your own or with your family. Pay 20 quid to do that and let us know about it or go onto the site. And as I said, all profits from the Sienna range on our merchandise site go straight to Sienna as well because we are not going to stop until that girl goes to America and gets treatment. And do you know what? I heard something the other day, Jamie, and sorry to go on because I know it is nearly 12 o'clock at night, but I heard something the other day and it was our mother. And our mother said to me the other day, it's a massive thing for her to, to have this treatment because... You know, she's she's a very very young child with this with this um, d- disease or whatever she, that she has, and her mother said, "All I want to do is see her walk through the school gates like the rest of our siblings did," and and that was it for me. It, it wasn't about like America and you know, oh let's go. It was just about she just wants to see her daughter walk through the school gates the same as anybody else, and that's probably not this September, probably next September. So. Listen, the Sienna stuff, um, we're pushing at the moment, but and we're still working on stuff. But when we get it right, um, we're never leaving it alone until that girl gets to gets to one hundred and twenty thousand euros. Goes to Saint Louis, gets the treatment, comes home, and is running around slow tackling Phil because he hates Liverpool Football Club and <laughs> Athletic Grounds. <laughs> but well loves them. <laughs> exactly what a note to finish on right big thank you to Gav Shawnee and Phil for your time and your stories we did try to do something a little bit different tonight and delighted with how it came out so if you could uh, leave us a like uh, on the video before before you wrap up that'd be very much appreciated and also leave any comments in the sections below the video any feedback whether you want to tell us what some of your highlights have been as, uh, as your time as a fan or you just want to give us feedback on the show it'll all be appreciated so with that I hope you have all enjoyed the show make sure you have a great remainder of your week and I'll be back with you again next week on the Midweek Fix all the best Sports Social Podcast Network